Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And finally, making his triumphant return, Ironically, after the Atlanta Hawks have been bounced from the playoffs. Hmm. Conspiracy? Hmm. I think so. But he is back in the studio, like I said, the senior sports editor of the ODPH podcast. He is your coach. He is my coach. He is the coach! Coach Duffy. Guys, how the hell are you? Man. I am I am here. I am alive. I have uh, obviously uh, been in a uh, uh, hyperbolic chamber uh, prepping for Connor's fight here. Uh, no, really, I've got you know kids in travel sports right now. I'm, I'm coaching my five-year-old and uh, travel across. Take your shots, everybody. That game hasn't ended yet. Uh, so he is, uh, you know, he's full-fledged in that. And then my 11-year-old had her Williamsport gimmick and travel softball. So it's been a whirlwind. But I, I Connor's fighting. So I'm here because I, I somebody's got to defend him. I think, as the great Fifty Cent once said, uh, he's been patiently waiting for a track to explode on. Oh yes, he has. <laughs> we knew when this fight was announced, Coach was going to be here, hell or high water. And we're so happy to have him in the studio, as we are happy to have you listening to this podcast. And we definitely want to keep the conversation going after the show. So definitely swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Podchaser. You name it, we're there. All the links are right there at your fingertips. So you can definitely join in. And always remember, use the hashtag odphpod. But before we get the Connor talk going, because, mm. oh, trust us, we'll get very lengthy about that. Mm-hmm. We have to recap and give our predictions for arguably one of the wildest playoffs in NBA history. I mean, since the bubble last... I mean, it's been since the bubble. I mean, the bubble was nuts. The bubble was nuts. And now here we are here. But to see how we got here, and the finals, who on their scorecard had Phoenix versus Milwaukee? I had it half right. I had Milwaukee being there. I think I picked the Clippers to be there on the other side, but yeah. I had it half right. I think we all had Milwaukee, didn't we? I think I think we did. I think we might have. Good job, guys. Yes. Definitely didn't have Phoenix. Phoenix was not on the board. No. I thought Phoenix would contend and hang in there. Sure. But, man, oh, man, the road how they got here has been astonishing to see how they handled the Clippers. Yeah. I mean, outright. I mean, you can say what you want about the injuries because I guess that's going to be the asterisk that hangs over this playoffs. And it's not even like – you know, everybody, like LeBron with that tweet about, like, the injuries and everything, it's like, dude, the Jordan era, like, they all had to deal with injuries. Like, oh, yeah. fucking the Knicks had Ewing lost going into the 98 playoffs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, well, not going in. It was after the first round, but, like, they lost them after the first round. I mean, that was their star play. Like, it happens. Yeah. That's why, you know, you got to have players to step up it's just you know this mentality of every team being like oh we need a lock and low with superstars it's like it's getting to the point where now it's you know almost obnoxious 
Like, you got to eventually have role players that can step up. Like, that's what the playoffs turn into. And that's what Milwaukee had because uh, Drew Holiday has played fantastic. And uh, that's what Phoenix has had with DeAndre Ayton's uh, emergence. And, I mean, Jay Crowder having the pass of a century Yes, uh, with that inbound pass that literally should not have – the fact that that did not go off the backboard was just nuts. So, and, I mean, obviously Devin Booker's, you know – if you don't know his name, then you don't watch basketball because the guy just puts buckets up. And Chris Paul is a goddamn winner. There's no escaping that. I, I've got I'm eating crow because I when the Knicks were potentially pursuing it, I was like, no, my God, that would be such a bad move. Well, now I'm like, no, they the the Knicks should go after Chris Paul because he only wins. Oh, period. Yeah. No, I mean, Coach, you're absolutely right, you know, in, in terms of you need more than just star players on, on your team because the team is only as good as its its bench, you know, and you can have the greatest starting five in NBA history. Like, if you had the ability somehow to, like, go through time and pick out the best shooting guards, small forward, power forward, point guard, center, you know, all the starting five positions and have the best team – that's great and all, but they can't play every single minute of an entire 81-82 game season and then however many games you end up playing in the playoffs. You inevitably will need guys to come off of the bench. And it doesn't matter how good your starting five is if, if you got a bunch, a, couple, a bunch of bums on the bench who really can't play and really you can't depend on. It's one narrative that gets overlooked a lot now in the age of the super teams. And let's face it, that's what we have in the NBA currently. Everybody needs to form this superpower like Voltron to go make a run for the playoffs. But we're seeing more and more that the team basketball concept is winning for this scenario that we're talking about. That once you have your quote-unquote star player get hurt, and obviously you play a physical sport, injuries happen. You can't make any excuses about it. Especially with the anomaly being last season and then jumping into this season. Yeah, I mean, you can try throwing as many narratives as you want against the wall and hope something sticks. But this happens every year in every sport. And it just has to be who is the next person up to take over and put points on the board and contribute. And we see this now especially with Phoenix and L.A. in that series because Kawhi Leonard goes down for the Clippers. Paul George has a lot of weight on his shoulders Mm -hmm. and doesn't really have a lot of support with him, surprisingly. Meanwhile, Phoenix has stayed relatively healthy, and Chris Paul is drinking the fountain of youth. I mean, carrying this team. Well, I mean, Reggie Jackson stepped up. Reggie Jackson played really well in that series for the Clippers. Um, No, I mean, I just it's nuts because when the when uh, uh, Chris Paul went to OKC, Mm -hmm. everybody was like, you know, goodbye. You know, he's gone. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, it's going to be the final run for Chris Paul in OKC. And you know, he had rose that you know that team grew into being a playoff pushing team that obviously you know inevitably fell short um and then you know gets traded to phoenix um and everybody sees you know the lineup him chris paul you know devin booker uh deandre and everybody oh you know like that team you know it looks good on paper but you know there's going to be some things that are going to miss but you know he's only elevated everybody's game um the pick and roll is so efficient with him and ayton uh and then devin booker coming off screens and everything it's like yeah, this this is a very dynamic team, a team that you know arguably uh, comparisons very well to Milwaukee. 
as far as you know, starting lineup, you know, bench players, role players, reserve players, like all those things really match up well. I mean, Jay Crowder's playing, you know, like the Jay Crowder role. Mm-hmm. So defensively, he's going to match up very well on Giannis. And I mean, DeAndre Ayton is such a presence in the paint. Like you know, you saw that in the Clipper series. Like they just they could not finish buckets inside the paint. So, you know, he's going to be there to plug up the middle. That's going to cause things to be very difficult for Giannis. You know, obviously, potentially might not play tonight or not, but if he is available and does play, it's going to be very difficult for him to get in the lane. It's one of those scenarios that we really have to focus on to turn the attention to Milwaukee now, the ironic finale entrant from the Eastern Conference because they've always been penciled in as the team that should have been there. Right. And they've never been able to get over the hump. And obviously this year... When they steamrolled Miami first round, which I don't think anybody had written down they're going to sweep them. No. Nope. And to see that they go against Brooklyn, who was on paper the odds-on favorite. And that was just such a weird series. Yeah. You I was just, I mean, obviously, I, I wasn't here, guys, so I'm going to fucking talk about it. I know. We're waiting, uh-huh. for, that, we're waiting for that quote-unquote Brooklyn <laughs> no, it was just, coming. It was just such a weird series because, you know, here Brooklyn, you know, 2-0 at home, Milwaukee 2-0 at home. Yeah. Series goes back to Brooklyn, Brooklyn wins. Series go back to Milwaukee, Milwaukee wins. Then game seven, it's in Brooklyn, and just tired legs, you know, inevitably caught up to Durant and James Harden, and, you know, they fell short. And I honestly didn't think that Milwaukee was going to win that series. To me, and what I've seen with Giannis, I'm not super impressed anymore. Yeah, I, I I'm sorry. Like I know he is a, a generational talent and his size and whatever, but like the dude can't hit a shot to save his life, and that is causing Milwaukee's offense to absolutely lock up in times when he's on the court and is the number one option defensively. He's not covering the number one guy, which to me is what you're supposed to be. Like mm. you're the defensive stopper, and you're yeah. not Drew Holiday is covering the number one team scoring option. And, you know, I get, like, oh, the the notion that, well, Giannis is better as an off-ball help. That's great. Then he's not the defensive player of the year. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. It's like, you know, Jordan, when he won defensive players of the year, was locking down the other team's score. Dennis Rodman was locking up the other team's scores. Like, you can't just sit here and say, oh, he's a good help defender, and then say that he's the defensive player of the year. That's not the way it works. Like, he should have been covering Durant. He should have been covering Ben Simmons. He should have been covering Joel Embiid. Like, he should he should have been covering Trey Young. Like, those are the things that he should be doing, and he doesn't. So, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I on the bandwagon of Giannis. Meh. Yeah, he Meh. turned out not to be the superstar of this team no, in this case, it was a lot of Chris Middleton. Dude, his when you see when he's on the floor, their offense becomes very, very stagnant. Mm-hmm. It only opens up when they take Brook Lopez off the floor and move Giannis to the five. Then things start to open back up because then they just you know they, they spread him out wide and run that five out. But when uh, Lopez is in and in the paint, just uh, the offense goes to shit. Yeah, they can't. They, they just can't score. And when Drew Holiday's out and Middleton's out, forget about it. Like, they're toast. Yeah, they have nobody. And for Brooklyn, I mean, they did go fight a valiant fight. We can't take anything away from Kevin Durant. Sure, sure. He did step up. He did try doing the best he could. But he, like you touched on, he was on tired legs. Well, and and that team would have been sunk even if they made it through that round into the next round of the playoffs because Harden had, what was it, the thigh injury? Yeah, Atlanta would have fucking gassed them. You know, Harden had the thigh injury, so Lord knows he wasn't going to be anywhere near 100%. And then then Kyrie had, what was it, the foot or the ankle or whatever the heck it was? Yeah, he had a whole entire left leg problem. He had a left leg problem. I I can't remember what it was, but I remember reading at the time going, yeah, he's not going to be ready for a couple, 100% for a couple of weeks. So even if I remember 
telling you off air, Ken, mm-hmm. like even if Brooklyn makes it through this round, they're sunk in the next round because there's no way Durant can handle can handle all the load in this entire team by himself. Yeah, he's a, he was literally a one man team on this. So he's great. He ain't floor. that great. Yeah, I know. Contrary popular belief. Just <laughs> saying. Yeah, but. To see Milwaukee get that big win, especially how gritty it was for the team, and the team ball really showed here because even with Giannis not performing to that superstar level, Chris Middleton stepped up and was the superstar of the, for this team. Yeah, Middleton. I mean, Middleton's been great. I always have, I've been a fan of his work. You know, I always felt felt like he was, uh, you know, quietly one of those un, unsung heroes as far as you know he would play normally the number one wing player until Drew Holiday was there. Uh, so the demand on him on the defensive end was there. The demand on him offensively is there too because he has to be there to hit that open three. Um, and yeah, he's he's played really well. Uh, this Atlanta series, I don't think they win without him. No, so, they don't. I mean, yeah, I mean, so he's played great. And especially for Atlanta, who surprised everybody. Yeah. I mean, granted, they yeah. they did get a lucky first round win. Yeah, but, I mean, but we don't need to discuss that. Well, I mean, just fucking, I'll go into it because again, I haven't fucking been here, so I'm yeah. going to talk about it. Uh, you know, Julius Randle's just goddamn tired. You know, I mean, it was clear, and, yeah. and you know, and it got to the point where you know they, uh, uh, you know, the Knicks, uh, God, coach, my brain, Thibodeau, fart, Thibodeau. Uh, you know, obviously loved and fell in love with having, you know, an actual true five. So Taj Gibson or New Orleans Noel. And, you know, unfortunately, it should have been, you know, maybe a little bit more Obi Toppin in that series playing at the five. And you know what? If you get out rebounded, you were already doing it with them in the lineup regardless. So let Obi be in there and stretch the floor a little bit. Let Randall get in the paint. Maybe they pull Capella out because they can't match up and, you know, whatever. I, listen, it, we weren't supposed to be there. Exactly. So yeah. I'm not, you know, like uh, Aaron and I talked about it like two or three nights ago. She was, oh, you know, the Knicks or whatever. And I go, listen, I'm just thankful to be there. You know, I mean, we were there in the bottom. We were watching those days with Steph Marbury lineups. and Starberry. Yeah, and oh, uh, the Steve yeah. Francis days and, and just the, the just getting bludgeoned to death. And you know what? Now they're in the playoffs and, you know, they're – have salary cap space and and have options to what to do with. Uh, they got two first round draft picks that are number nineteen and twenty one, which the Knicks brass have shown that they can go out there and they can find these talented players like Emmanuel Quickly, who also probably should have played a little bit more in this Atlanta series. I agree with that. And um, you know, it is what it is. I I just I'm thankful to be here. So if anybody was wondering my take on the Knicks season. Thankful. Listen, New York just needs somebody to hate because Pedro Martinez isn't coming through the doors at Yankee Stadium anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, and Trey, listen, I, I mean, as much as I absolutely hated that series because of his little gallivanting around through the lane, drawing all the fouls in the world while RJ is getting mugged yep. in the middle of the back alleys uh-huh. by Clint Capella and John Collins and having to wind up on the floor with like his arm bent to show like my arm's broken can i get a call and the refs say uh we don't see anything like (laughs) you know so i mean that's that's tough when you know you you can't get a foul call i mean listen i know the numbers show the knicks got fouls like i'm not saying the referees were very one-sided i'm just saying that when trey young went in the paint and just had the ball knocked out of his hands which at one point the rj had his hand on all ball and they still call foul, 
that's the type of series that you're dealing with. It was a tough one to watch for the it Knicks. Was. But, but, there, but there's hope. We were there. We were there. We were there. I mean, that's... It bigger, was enjoyable. It's hey, big. we won one game, and we celebrated in the streets like it was the fucking NBA Finals. And I loved it. Exactly. Loved it. Everybody remembers that more than how Brooklyn went out. <laughs> exactly. Same, same. Hey, yeah. All right. Sorry, Dre. I know I'm going to get an angry tweet about this, I but... Fucking bring it, Dre. I don't care. <laughs> I already. I was already bringing it online with you anyway. We uh, can battle this Brooklyn, New York stuff all day. Nah, we we love no, you, Dre. I love you, Dre. You're good people, but Absolutely. fuck Brooklyn. <laughs> I said it, and I'll say it again. But to see how Atlanta progressed, though, from the series, and they went into Philly, took out Philly. The process is no more. <laughs> ben Simmons got to go. Ben Simmons is just as bad as Giannis. Yeah. Shoot a fucking three. Yeah. Like, what is it? You know, and then is the the daunt the the crazy thing to me, the wild thing to me, was the post game comments by him. Yeah. Just the. You know, and I guess, uh, you know, it might be a generational thing, you know, generation whatever we are versus generation Z or whatever the bullshit they're called. Like, it might be that difference, but, like, dude, you can't be laissez-faire when it comes to the fact that you lost the series because you passed on a layup because you saw Trey Young coming at you. Yeah. That is a problem. Some cities you might be able to pull that off and get away with that and, like, slip it by without anybody saying anything. Not Philly. Philly, Philly, as much as I love him and hate him, you know, they're a diehard sports town with a lot of diehard fans that live and die by their teams that they do not forgive and they do not forget. Dude, it's not even it's it's the it was the light that was shined during that moment. Like that was a pivotal stretch of the game where mm-hmm. you're down, your team needs a rallying point, you're switched on. Uh, I think it was the herder got switched on him. You have him in the paint. You're backing him down. You you hit a great spin, and you're going free to the lane. And then Trey Young slides over from the corner, and you dish it to a you know when Clint Capella's coming down, like dunk that ball in Trey's face, and that series is over. over. Yeah, it's over. And instead, you pass it to somebody who's already covered, and the series just unwinds unravels. from there and unravels. You know, Joel Embiid's questioning things on the sideline. Ben Simmons is sitting here, you know, whatever. And it's just, yeah, Philly's undone. They're yeah. undone. Yeah. Toast. I'm not sure I yeah. Oh, shut up, Siri. <laughs> yeah, I know Siri's even trying to jump in about this because it's puzzling to see how Philly fell apart that bad. But even you have to give us some credit to Atlanta, though. They were gritty. They hung in there as much as they could. Trey Young was playing beat up. Dude, I, after that Knicks series, I was like, all right. They're going to run into Philly. They're going to. It's going to be you know a competitive, but it's going to be Philly's series. Like there's just no way. And then Click Capella steps up and plays great defense on Joel Embiid, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh shit, oh no, like Atlanta's going to go on a run here. Yeah. And then you know obviously it looked like it was going to be Brooklyn Atlanta, and this is where Dre was like, you know who would you root for? It's Atlanta all day. Yeah. I don't care. Double elimination. Yeah. It could have been the '96 Bulls versus. The Brooklyn, and I still would root for the Bulls before I would ever root for Brooklyn. Uh, it could be Przingis and Dallas in the NBA Finals against hey. Brooklyn, and I'm still rooting for Dallas. Hey. Um, hey. And it was like, so I'm I'm sitting here and I'm seeing the C part for Atlanta to make it to the Finals, and I'm like, oh no, like I, and this can't be. I mean, hey, listen, not every Atlanta team can suck all the time well right but i mean obviously as knicks fans like we saw reggie miller almost make it and i mean how hard were we rooting for the lakers when they went in that series because <laughs> i mean I've i was i know i was like oh my god miller can't get one yeah and the knicks never get one like that would be just heartbreaking um so i'm sitting here and i'm like trey young can't get one before the knicks get one like that can't be 
and I thought it was going to happen. And then in this series against Milwaukee, again, you know, up until his injury, yep. I, I, it was Atlanta's series to lose. Oh, yeah. No, and he just, you know, he got hurt, and then the series kind of went from where it went. Yeah, which was just crazy to see how it went down. But then Milwaukee stepped up to face him, sure, he, especially sure. with Giannis going down too. They rallied around and definitely <laughs> fought some wins there. You know, and I'm, I know the, the – cute thing is they call the Patrick Ewing theory mm-hmm. um you know with Giannis but I mean part of it is true because again you know like I've been saying like their offense is just so stagnant with him on the floor that it's like once Middleton and Trey and Drew Holiday get going like they can really move the ball around and you get open shooters and they've got shooters yeah it's going to be a fun series to watch I, now. yeah I love this series yeah. I love this because now going into tonight it's game one pad you got some stats right for yeah us? so the uh game tonight is of course uh, on t- uh tonight as we record 9 p.m eastern time on abc uh currently the over under is 219 and a half <laughs> yo yeah uh and then currently the line is phoenix by five and a half with the money line being uh, phoenix minus 220 and milwaukee plus 190 also should note, Giannis has been upgraded to questionable. Right, so he's definitely going to try making a go of it. So that all being said, let's give our prediction, starting with Coach. I, I mean, I like Phoenix in this one. Uh, I'm not going to be Phoenix in four guy, but I like Phoenix in five. I think Milwaukee will steal one in Philly, but then our Philly. I, Milwaukee will steal one in Phoenix, but then Phoenix will come and win the rest. I'm going to say Phoenix in six. Just because I th- I think I would give this to Milwaukee if it weren't such a question with Giannis, and just you know, if Giannis were in that lineup, I think they'd have a shot, you know, a better shot. I'm not saying I'm not saying you know, oh Giannis is in 100 lock it in Milwaukee's win, they'd have a shot. But I just think with him not being 100 percent, can the rest of the team step up and guard what Phoenix is bringing? And I don't think so. This is going to be a tough series that I think is going to go at least six. I feel that there's something about Phoenix that is a team of destiny. And maybe all the sports stars are aligning for Chris Paul, that finally he is in the finals for the first time in 123 playoff games, if I'm reading this off NBA.com correctly. That's insane. That... It's something that he's played in that many games without ever reaching the finals. So now he has gotten over the hump that everybody it's like Peyton Manning wrote him off for dead, and he is now in a situation where he is the elder statesman on a team that has been filled with potential, but let's face it, has never reached it until this season. Devin Booker has been a All Star that we've been waiting to see emerge, and with Chris Paul's influence, he has finally gotten there. Aiton is playing like the number one draft pick that we all thought he was going to be. He is now gelling with this team. Monty Williams, being the head coach, has finally got these guys playing at such a high level that they're going to be a handful for any team after this season and moving forward. And for this matchup, though, I think they're going to definitely outscore outscore Milwaukee handedly. In a couple games. I think Milwaukee will show up. I think they're going to take a couple on their home court. But I think if you're looking team to team, and this is going to be team basketball versus team basketball, Uh that's the biggest narrative coming from this, that both these teams are not what you would call super teams. They have a core group, but just not super team. Yeah, they have core players around them, but when you're looking at them, they're not the big headlines like the Lakers, the Clippers, Brooklyn. These are going to be a team effort on both sides of the ball going forward. 
even if Giannis was a hundred percent, I'd still say it's going to be Phoenix in six. Yeah, I, I mean, I just you know we talk about Chris Paul and you know you talk about the jitters of the NBA Finals and stuff, but he's such a veteran uh-huh. and you know has played in gold medal games and you know uh, all you know all of those overseas you know type games that. This is just going to be another game to him. Mm-hmm. I literally, I mean, I know it's going to be his first NBA Finals, but, and I know this is probably just such a clear, like, I know probably everybody is saying this, so I'm not going to be the first to say it, but he's going to be at such a normal, you know, even keel that it's going to almost be uh, intimidating to a younger Bucks team that hasn't been here before because they've always slipped up in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris Paul has literally almost done it all. Yeah, like, except for. This. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is the one thing that he has been chasing after for so long, and he's finally here. And I agree with you. He's going to be calm. Like, he will be a professional. Yeah. Like, I, it's going to be, you know, I mean, I know he's, what, 36, 37. So, yeah. like, it's going to be like, yeah, he should act like that. But you still, like, you know, the first time in the finals and stuff, like, you still, you know, players get that jitters and stuff. It's just when you've been in the gold medal settings and all those type of things, and you've been around, you know, the LeBrons, the Kobe's. And that have been in this situation and, and and talk to them and are friends with them, you know you're you're going to be able to just handle the moment, right? And there might be for him just a little bit of a, a whoa, I'm finally here, you know, with the warm ups and the in the intros and the anthem. But mark my words, when it comes time for jump ball, game face. Oh, he'll have his game face on, and like I said, I think that he's going to really put this series on his back. That I think he's going to be the series MVP by the time it's all said and done. Uh, yeah, I would I would lean that way unless I mean unless Devin Booker just ap- you know if he falls out of his mind. Because the yeah. thing is, it's like Drew Holiday on the flip side of it from Milwaukee is going to be such an X factor because you know Atlanta talked about in their series they would have whoever you know wasn't Drew Holiday wasn't covering bring the ball up because his on ball defense is so daunting that it's difficult for you know teams to even cross half court with them cover- with him covering them. So it's like if Drew Holiday covers Chris Paul then that's going to free up Devin Booker to be able to go off. Mm-hmm. On the flip side of it, it's the opposite. Devin Booker's being covered by Drew Holiday. Then, yeah, it's Chris Paul's game to take over. Yeah, and it's going to be something that for Milwaukee, a lot is going to be asked about Holiday and Middleton. And that I think that if they can play consistently like All-Stars, they got a chance to win this series. Like I say, this is not a clear-cut Suns lock it in at no. in six. This could definitely go seven. The Bucks are definitely going to push the pace. Even if and for Giannis, if he can get on the court, he needs to have an MVP like series. I'm sorry, the pressure is on him more than anybody. I think because now yeah. you're at the dance. You are supposed to be the guy. You are supposed to be the one that takes over the legacy of being the face of the NBA. Now you're here. You've been running on fumes. I mean, obviously, we got to factor the injury in, but still, even beforehand, it's always been the narrative Milwaukee should have been here. Now you're here. You now have to finish. And if he can't finish, it's going to, I think, tarnish his legacy a little bit. That I think for him, especially, he needs to be the guy that everybody's made him out to be. That he needs to be that MVP type player that can take over a series. I'm, it's going to be tough, obviously, with his injury, but if, like I said, if he's able to get on the court, he's going to have to definitely contribute, and you're going to ask a lot from Chris Middleton that you're going to have to have him be that superstar player for Milwaukee have a chance. But, like I say, I do like the Suns in six, Chris Paul being your MVP, and then what a season we have had then. At the end of it all, it's going to be one for the record books. 
I can't wait to see the series kick off. Hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about the NBA Finals moving forward? And plus, you finally got coaches' takes on air. Definitely have that interaction at Coach Duffy Eleven on Twitter. He will engage. Felt good to get. I mean, it was stewing with the NBA playoffs, so it felt good to get that off. Oh, I know. When I was getting the tweets there, I'm like, Coach, we got we got to get you on like a soundbite. Yeah. We got to get you on like a TikTok or something. Just drop a thing to let the people know what your vibe is because this playoff series has definitely been memorable for a lot of different reasons. I'm not focusing so much on the injuries. I'm focusing on the team ball play, and we got two teams ready to go kicking off tonight. So definitely hit us up on those hashtags. Let us know what you think. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. So 2021 is upon us, and instead of flying cars and monkey robot butlers, we have a pandemic. We have media and making every little annoying twit of a child think they're going to be the next famous celebrity because they did some stupid trend they've seen somebody else doing nine million times we have people that are self-entitled and stupid and given a voice through social media constantly whining about how everybody else is the problem and how everyone else needs fixings we have celebrities lecturing us about how we have to give more so we can elevate everyone to a better life from the security of their seven-bedroom, multi-million-dollar estates. We have politicians lying to us that they're going to fix the situations we're in that they created in the first place. And then we've got me having the conversations that a lot of us are thinking but nobody's talking about because these things have to be said. I had to say at the podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast fix or at www.ihadtosayapodcast.com. Why don't you come listen to what I've got to say? Coming back for another segment here on the ODPH podcast. And like we teased at the beginning of the show, it is UFC time. UFC 264 is Mm -hmm. taking place at the T-Mobile Arena in Vegas. And this is going to be a wild night, Saturday night. You know we got a lot to say about the card. So, Pat, do you want to break it down a little bit? Yeah, so uh, starting off with, what are we going to start off with? Main card here, I'm assuming? Well, we can give a quick mention in the prelims. Our guy, Nico Price, who follows oh, the yeah. podcast, is fighting against Michael Peralta. Yeah, you got Nico Price uh, taking on Michael, Michael Pereira uh, at the welterweight division. That's going to be a fun fight. Not saying because Nico's on it, but these guys like to throw hands. Yeah, and then your main event on the prelim card is also a welterweight division matchup between Carlos Condit and Max Griffin. Carlos Condit is one of my top three fighters of all time. I think the absolute world of Carlos Condit. He is, uh, during his prime, he was one of the most scariest guys to ever go in the cage with. Yeah. His nickname was the Natural Born Killer. And like I say, he lived up to it and obviously is near the end of his run. Obviously, Father Time catches up to the best of us. So I'm just hoping for a great fight and obviously great way to end the prelims and then kick off the main card. Yeah, so the first fight we're going to have on the main card is in the bantamweight division between Sean O'Malley and Chris Moutinho. Now, this isn't the original opponent O'Malley was supposed to face. He was supposed to face Luis Smolka, uh, but on the 29th of June, Smolka withdrew due to an undisclosed injury. So, Coach, the Sugar Show is back. There hasn't been a protected fighter like this since Roman Reigns in WWE. Wow. Yo. Wow. Break it down. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, Sean O'Malley is a a personality, and he's got a lot of fire to him, and, you know, he brings a lot of buzz, whether it's positive or negative, um, you know, around him. And UFC obviously wants to protect an investment, so they've got Sean O'Malley. And, I mean, mean, obviously, the guy that he was supposed to fight has his credentials. 
um, you know, and a little bit more credibility than the guy that they got to fill in for him. But, you know, if Sean doesn't win this fight, then, yeah, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah, so Sean in 14 professional matches has a record of 13-1. and one. Uh, He won his last fight uh, against Thomas Almeida back at UFC 260 via knockout. Before that, he lost his fight against Marlon Vera via TKO at UFC 252. That was his first loss of his professional career. Uh, And the gentleman he's facing, Chris Moutinho, is making his UFC debut. Uh, He has a professional record of, there it is, nine wins, four losses, no draws. Uh, He is on a two-fight win streak, uh, defeating his last uh, opponent via an arm triangle choke. Uh, And then his opponent before that, he beat via punches, uh, and he lost his fight before that. So, doing pretty well for himself about making his UFC debut. So, we'll see what we get out of the kid. This is going to be an interesting one because, like Coach touched upon, Sean O'Malley is the guy that the UFC is very, very high on. He's one of those hype train fighters, I guess you could say. Obviously coming on the scene and he is a complete personality like we say the sugar show has been something to watch he's great for post-fight interviews and when sean o'malley is in the cage he always goes for the knockout now obviously against the fight against vera i believe he tore his knee out if i'm not mistaken something and that's like that, also yeah. helped to uh secure that first loss for him but now he's getting a replacement fighter in motino and honestly i think o'malley should win this one outright I don't necessarily know that much about his opponent, but for O'Malley, it's do or die time, like you touched upon, that you have to come in and start putting some wins on because I know immediately everybody thought he was going to run through Vera, and then he was going to be talking about fighting Cody Garbrandt up in that the top 10 division. And it's like, I know you want to push this guy, but he's not like the next John Jones. Right. He's a good fighter. But I'd like to see him get a little more competition around that level before we start anointing him as the next guy. Because the bantamweight division, in case anybody's been sleeping on, is one of the most quietly stacked divisions in all of MMA. Right. So for Sean, he's definitely got to do something. Let's see what he's got. I'm going to take him in this one. I'll say he'll get a stoppage in the second round, though. Yeah, I'm going to say Sean in the early third. Okay. Uh, next up is the women's bantamweight division matchup between Ar- Irene Aldana and Yana Kutsnakia. And apologies if I butchered that last name. So, Coach, any thoughts on this one? Whatever your thoughts are are my thoughts, Ken. All right. So that one being said, we got the number four and five ranked fighting each other, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah, Irene, I'm looking at her record. Irene, in 18 professional matches, has a uh, record of 12 and 6. Uh, she lost her last fight against Holly Holm by unanimous decision. That was back in October of last year. Uh, prior to that, she was on a two-fight win streak, uh, winning via knockout and decision. Uh, and then on the flip side, her opponent, Yana, uh, is on a two-fight win streak, uh, winning her last two fights via decision, unit, uh, both by unanimous decision. Uh, lost uh, the fight in the uh, fight before that via TKO in uh, December of 2019. So this is a literal coin flip. It definitely is. I think this is going to go to decision. And I'm going to go on the coin flip method too, and I'm going to say Yana. I think Aldera is going to be... Giving her a lot of fits, though. I mean, she is definitely a gamer. She'll definitely show up for this fight. And like I say, this is going to be one that is going to be a split decision, but I think it's going to go to decision, and I like Yana in this one. Uh, I'm thinking the same thing. Just It's going to go the distance, and it's going to go uh, decision. Yeah, but this is not going to be a boring fight. I want, no. to, I want to stress this one because sometimes we say decision. I think this one is definitely going to be one that's going to catch some people off guard. Next up uh, is the matchup in the heavyweight division between Tai Tuivasa. 
mm-hmm. uh, and Greg Hardy. Yes, that Greg Hardy, formerly of the Dallas Cowboys. Coach, your thoughts? I uh, kind of surprising to see Greg Hardy with you know uh, only seven or ten total fights. What like three in the UFC, mm-hmm. and his last performance wasn't. Or wasn't the, great. Yeah. Okay. It was the last performance wasn't great. So kind of interesting to see him get onto a main card, especially being uh, the third fight of a night. Um, obviously, you know, given the controversy surrounding him, uh, hopefully he gets his ass kicked and embarrassed on you know national pay per view. I mean, if it, if he loses to this opponent, it's going to be a real bad loss for him because, like Coach mentioned, uh, he actually has eleven professional matches, a seven and three record. He lost his last fight via TKO in December of last year. Uh, his opponent, on the other hand. And maybe this his Wikipedia page is not up current, not updated. But I'm looking at this, and it's okay. So I'm gonna have to, you know, oh there, oh there we go. I was looking at the wrong thing. Uh, in 14 professional matches, uh, he has a, a record of 11 and three. Uh, he was won his last two fights both by a knockout, uh, knocking out the likes of Harry Hunsucker. That's not an exaggeration. H U N S U K E R. Uh, back in uh, March of this year. Uh, and then pr- prior to that, he knocked out Stefan Struve at UFC 254 in October of last year. Yeah, Tuivasa is no joke. I mean, he is quite the character. I believe he is the one that drinks from his shoe. Uh, I believe so. So Does a shoey. Yes, so he is definitely somebody that is kind of in that flux area with like, his career. Uh, he is from Australia, so yeah, that tracks. Yeah, I, if I'm not mistaken. And like I say, he will definitely contend. And then... For Mr. Hardy, uh, obviously has not been the uh, dominant force that I think the UFC thought he was going to be after coming off the Contender Series, that he has lost to Alexander Volkov and uh, Tybura. And mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, the Tybura one was the one he was, like, really gassed out. If I am good Yeah, that was the one where it was like he was having a, well, not an asthma attack, but it was like that's what he We got the was, inhaler during yeah, the, the match. Yeah, the inhaler, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. yeah I, for, I forgot about that one and that obviously you can't do that in MMA and I mean obviously he did not come on the winning end of that one. So this one I do like uh Tuivasa in this one. I like I say Hardy has not super impressed me when he's faced the upper echelon of contenders. Sure. No. You know, obviously he's got his issues that have been outside of the cage. Yeah. But when he's been in there, I mean, it's one thing when you're on the contender series and then it's one thing when you're pushed into the division and he's not fighting guys that are just outside the top 15. No. And like I say, his one fight against Volkov. Yeah. He lost. He lost by unanimous decision. to yeah. Volkov. Volkov is the number five ranked guy. I mean, and listen, I'm not giving Hardy any slack, but I mean, he did fight Volkov in Moscow, in Russia. So right. A little but, bit of added bonus for Volkov. There. But I'm saying for how much they want to try pushing him, Volkov is the number five guy. Yeah. Tybura is number eight. Yeah. So, well, and, and, you, and you look at it, you know, he's got uh, six wins by knockout, but most of those are coming from early in his professional, right. professional career. You know, one. Two were on the the uh, Dana White's Contender Series. Another one was on some promotion called Extreme Fight Night. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he had another one on a UFC Fight Night, you know, versus Dmitry Swolyakov. Uh, another knockout with Juan Adams. So it's like, okay, these are not these are guys that you should be knocking out. This isn't like, oh my God, he went in and knocked out the number six ranked heavyweight. Yeah, it's it's one of those areas where it's like. He came in with a lot of hype, obviously, because of his name, and people know him from being in the NFL. And then now 
he's in the UFC and is when he's going against the top echelon of competition, he's he's getting exposed in my opinion. Yeah. So this one this two, is a real test. Tuivasa will give him a challenge, but I do like him to win this one. I'm not exactly sure how we're going to say it's going to be a finish. This could go to two decision, and I think that'd be the smart move for Tuivasa to try dragging Hardy to deep water. Because obviously we know he has issues with fatigue. Mm-hmm. He gasses out. Yep. I mean, it's it. it I'm, I hate to say it, but it's something we know about certain fighters. When you can drag them to deep water, it's the cardio it becomes a factor. Now, is Tuivasa a cardio legend like Brock Lesnar? No. No. But if he can apply enough pressure, maybe do a lot of clinching against the cage, I think he can really slow Hardy down. I think that'll be the key to how he wins this fight. So that'll be my pick for that. Yeah. Next up. Uh, is the co-main event of the evening. In the welterweight division, you have Gilbert Burns taking on Stephen Thompson. Coach, your thoughts. So I watched uh, the uh, UFC uh, pre-show that uh, that kind of leads into this, that they you know air on ESPN, but I normally catch it on YouTube. I, I'm excited for this one. Stephen Thomas's dad reminds me of John Kreese yeah. to a T. Like, I literally saw this and heard his dad, and, like, the quote was like, we don't do this for the money. We don't do it for the fame. We do this for the glory. And I was like sitting here like, oh my God, is that John Kreese or what? Like, what is up, my man? I mean, karate instructor, old school dude. My God, I loved it. I literally, I, I jumped out of my seat and Aaron's like, you know, she she was no fan, but I was like, I love John Kreese, so let's go. Like, I'm all on the Stephen Thomas train. Uh, sorry, Gilbert Burns. I think you're a really cool fighter, and, and uh, you know, I feel bad what happened in the Usman fight, but I am all aboard the Stephen Thompson train. Pat? This is going to be a real interesting one. Stephen Thompson, you know, no, no unknown name, 38 years old, you know, got – Records going, you know, his professional record goes stretches back to his first fight. Professional fight was back in February of 2010, but he was winning championships. He's got one listed on his Wikipedia page. You know, he won a kickboxing championship back in 2005. Uh, won another one in 2003. Uh, Christ, uh, I was reading in the wrong direction. His first kickboxing championship was in 1999. Mm-hmm. So the dude's been fighting a while. Yeah. Uh, on the flip side, you've also got Gilbert Burns, who, you know, 34 years old. His first professional fight was in January of 2012. But uh, he, for, you know, championships and other accomplishments, he was in 2007. He was the International Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation runner, world runner up. You know, so these guys have both been going a while. I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns on this one. Uh, in 23 professional matches, he's got a record of 19-4. and four. Last fight, he lost by a knockout to Kamaru Usman. Let's face it, that's nothing to really... That's nothing to be crying about, That's yeah. nothing to hang your head on. Yeah, he was. It's nothing really... Well, yeah. There's nothing to hang your head on. It's Kamaru fucking Usman. The man's a monster. Yeah. Prior to that, though, he defeated the likes of Tyron Woodley by unanimous decision. Damian Maya by a knockout. Gunnar Nelson via uh, unanimous decision. Uh, Alexei Kuchenko via unanimous decision. Uh, so he was on a bit of a nice win streak he had going there. And Stephen Thompson on the flip side uh, on a two-fight win streak, uh, beating the likes of Vicente Luke and Jeff Neal, both by unanimous decision. Prior to that, was on a bit of a skid. Uh, not Got knocked out by Anthony Showtime Pettis. Yeah, crazy knockout there. And then uh, lost by unanimous decision to Darren Till. But on the flip side, he did also beat Jorge Masvidal. So... I'm going to go with Gilbert Burns on this one. This is going to be a contrast of styles. Big time. And, Big time. And the one thing that is very noteworthy is Thompson has made the karate style win 
at the MMA level. And made it cool, a cool win. Yeah, he definitely does. He'll come out there, he'll throw opponents off guard. This reminds me a lot of like how Lyoto Machida was. Sure, I mean, I, the, that's the... That's the same damn thing I said to Aaron. I go, there's not been this kind of like cool karate type guy since Machida was in his early days because yeah. he got fucking lazy towards the end. Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, he got sloppy. Like, but Thompson's still efficient with his kicks. Oh, he definitely still is efficient. And the one thing about Thompson, though, and I kind of will throw this back to Machida a little bit too, is when you get into battles, and I mean real gritty battles against opponents like Machido against Shogun Hua. Sure. Mm-hmm. And you think about Thompson against Tyrone Woodley when Woodley was the was the guy. Was the guy. Yeah. yeah. And you see a lot was going into those fights. It takes a lot out of a fighter to, you know for years to come too. I mean it's just it's something that happens. I always say it's the Diego Sanchez effect. Like when you fight Diego, you never come back the same. Sure. Thompson kind of has that vibe to him a little bit because he's been through those battles. But he's his record definitely shows he he's in the top echelon of the fighters. He's not a you know flash in the pan. He's not somebody that's you know father time is catching up to. He's one of the nicest fighters in the M- M- MMA. Yeah, I mean, he they, still he works at his dad's karate school and still teaches the little kid you know instruction instructional class. Which I mean, like for a guy who you know is battle tested. Like to turn that switch on and off is not you know easy to do, and and he yeah I mean for them to be able to coach little kids like that, he's got it. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't fight for the BMF title; he fights for the <laughs> NMF. Yeah, for the friendly title. Yeah, or he has a or he has a he has a friendly FMF. Yeah, yeah. FMF. Yeah, I thought it was the NMF. Uh, but yeah, no, I assist. I I totally yeah the the Machida thing is spot on, and I think yeah I think you're right. It's just uh you know when I was watching the uh, the YouTube thing you know uh not embedded but the other one that they do the countdown yep. um you know Burns and his coach talked about how they brought in you know some like Brazilian uh kickboxing uh expert and world champion because you know you just don't see that in opponents you don't see guys are you know like yeah the leg kicker there but like Stephen Thompson could kick you in the head yeah <laughs> and and efficiently kick you in the head to the point where you know he does the double fakey you know, axe kick type kick, and that shit's just not easy to read. So they brought that guy in to help uh, Burns handle the fact that he's going to be efficient with his kicks. It's not just going to be the, the the leg kicks to try and take your calf out. He's going to kick you in the head. Yeah. This is definitely going to be a challenge for Burns. That obviously coming off that loss to Kamaru Usman was a very emotional one. Yeah, yeah. And obviously with their history together. And Burns is no slouch when it comes to jiu-jitsu. I think if he's smart... He rushes Thompson a la Shogun did Machida. Sure, keep him close. Don't give him time to set up anything. Try getting him to the ground. That, I think, will be the main factor. If if Thompson keeps him at bay, it's going to be a long night for Burns. A long night. Yeah, because, I I mean, uh, Burns' boxing or his stand-up game, obviously, although it was... Effective early on, Usman eventually start you know caught his timing was able to just pinpoint you know shots. Yeah, and I don't think he wants to get in that kind of predicament against Thompson because Thompson will hit him with different angles. No, He's Thompson will see. fucking kick you in the head. Yeah, he will. <laughs> he'll get that double clutch kick in him. Yeah, I mean he'll he'll kick you in the head. So, so you got to watch out for that. Burns has to take him down. He has to just rush him early and then take him down. Yeah, clinch it, keep it tight. Yeah. So if I gotta make a prediction about this one, you do. <sighs> I'm going to go with Thompson. Okay, I like it. I'm going to go with him. I think that this will be a close fight. Uh, I do think, though, Burns, if he is struggling, which I think he might from the distance, 
I think he's going to get caught with one. I think he get knocked out in the third. Yeah, I mean, John Kreese won't allow Stephen Thompson to lose anyway. Yeah. So I mean, he won't. He might not be allowed back home. Yeah. So he doesn't have a choice but to win. It's too bad he doesn't come out to the best around. Fuck. He comes out. You know what he comes out though? Tenacious D Wonder Boy. No, he. Well, I mean, that's his nickname. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, he. I think he needs to come out to the the Cobra Kai song. Yeah. And mm. yeah, and just own it. You You're know. Yeah. My my dad. My dad's John Kreese Jr. You know, like that's what I deal with. That's my that's my upbringing. Yeah. Was John Kreese. Yeah. It's going to be a great, though, co-main event. But the one fight that's bringing everybody to the T-Mobile arena. What's up, coach? You don't give a fuck. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. He doesn't care about this one. It is the one and only Conor McGregor. Who? Taking on Dustin Poirier. Put some fucking respect on his name, I've, I've never, I've never heard of either Put of Put some guys. respect on his name. Never heard of either of them. Pad, break it down for us. Yeah, so as Co- uh, Ken mentioned, uh, this is the lightweight division matchup between Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Potential title implications with this one. Uh, not officially stated, but, well, we yeah, did, read you know, the, let's wink, be honest. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Read the tea leaves, folks. Uh, Dustin Poirier in 34 professional matches has a record of seven, 27 wins, six losses. Uh, well, he's on a two fight win streak, defeating Conor McGregor via knockout at his last fight in uh, January of this year. Uh, and then also beating Dan Hooker by unanimous decision in June of last year, uh, did lose to Habib back in September of 2019. Uh, and then prior to that was on a nice little win streak of one, two, three, four, five wins in a row went beating the lights of. Anthony Pettis, Justin Gaethje, Eddie Alvarez, and Max Holloway. You might have heard of a few of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the flip side, Conor McGregor, uh, 27 professional matches, 22 wins, 5 losses. Uh, lost his last fight against Dustin Poirier, as I mentioned, back in January. Uh, beat Donald Cowboy Cerrone uh, via TKO with a head kick and punches. Uh, that was back in January of 2020. Uh, lost to Habib via uh, submission. Uh, and then uh, beat uh, Eddie Alvarez and Nate Diaz. Coach, we already know who you're taking, but you want to elaborate a little bit more about this. I mean, this is going to be an unpopular take coming from you know being you know the Connor guy here, but this kind of must win. Uh huh. Oh, fully. I mean, like, I know you know the the like the Connor camp will say like you know oh he is impervious to losses and you know like his name carries weight and whatever, but like as far as like you know him being around the title picture. As far as him, uh, you know, being a t- contender, as far as him being a main event, true attraction, uh, he's got to win this fight. Yeah. I mean, another loss, uh, and I I mean, yeah, I'll still get the shows, but it's not going to carry that same gravitas that his fights had before where you didn't need a title fight on the card. You don't need, uh, you know, a co-main event that is uh, with title implications. Like, th- those days will be done. Like, you're going to have to load up his card. It's going to have to have a title fight. It's going to have to have a title implication fight. It's going to have to have, you know, future prospects on there. Like, it will have to be a stacked card versus, like, just, hey, listen, we got Conor McGregor on the, on the you know, the marquee, and, you know, Gilbert Burns and Stephen Thompson are fighting as well. Like, those days yeah. will be done. Yeah, I agree with everything Coach just said. Conor has to win this fight because if he loses, I think title implications for him are, are done for the foreseeable future. He could work himself back in there, but in the mean, in the immediate future, done with title implications. And then I think if he loses his fight, the name loses a little bit of luster. Yeah, guys will still line up to fight him. There, you will not all of a sudden because of one loss find a shortage of guys who you know try to have a hard time finding guys who want to line up to fight him. Guys will want to fight him. Will the line be as long as it is 
currently these days? Maybe not. But I think, like everything Coach said, he loses his fight. All of a sudden, you don't have to throw four other jabronis on fights on this card, and it sells itself. <laughs> we, you know, if he loses this fight, we go to watch the next Connor fight. We might be able to sh- stream it on ESPN Plus and not run into streaming issues because hey, most people might not care anymore because hey, he's not as big a name. He has to win this fight, like like Coach said. This is do or die for Connor. And that the legacy that he has portrayed in this sport has taken a little hit for outside the cage issues, uh, different ventures that he's gone into, i.e. boxing with Floyd Mayweather. The commitment level has been a little sus, to say the least. And it still is. It is, but it isn't. Because the one thing that I do like about this fight is, when was their last matchup? Uh, Their last fight was on January 24th. Okay. Connor immediately got back in the cage. And yeah, got right. yeah, as soon as he could walk, he was back in training. Right. So I do like that aspect of this. Correct. That I think that maybe it's finally sunk into him with obviously not a camera around, but in those moments where he's in the gym saying, okay, I have to win this fight. Right. I have to be the same hungry fighter I was when I debuted in the UFC way back when. I need to find that real Conor McGregor. Yeah, it's it's Rocky Three. It is. It's exactly what it is. It, it is, and I think that for him, he knows that if he can get this fight, he can get a quick title shot against Oliveira. It is what oh, it is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, dude. I mean, because, yes. I mean, I, I granted, I'm a huge Charles Oliveira fan, but he's not generating that buzz that – Connor does. Connor no. Connor is still the media circus that we all know. Well, dude, I mean, look at that video that just came out. Oh yeah. Uh the social media post like him leaving a restaurant in LA. I mean, bum rushed by fucking like it looked like 100 people. Yeah, he still has that X factor to him. That love him or hate him, he moves the needle. And for the UFC, they need him to be successful. They do. Oh, yeah. And not saying Poirier would take a dive because, hell no, he wouldn't. No. He's, he's on one of the biggest renaissance fight runs in history. That For anybody that has not seen him because he's not a big, brash guy, but guess what? He goes in the cage and he works. No, oh, yeah. I mean, this is the, you know, uh, his career was, you know, at uh, what's lower than what, the lightweight, featherweight? Yeah, he's featherweight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, his career was looking like it was in the tanks. You know, he adds 15 pounds. And now all of a sudden he looks like a new man, you know, had arguably one of the better fights against Khabib until obviously he got submitted and then went on a tear from there. Yeah, it's a crazy thing to watch, but if you know him, I mean, he was always a top-level contender in featherweight. He's been a top-level lightweight. There's nothing to say about Poirier's skill that he's not there. Well, and plus the thing with Connor too, is he needs this win because, let's face it, the names of some of the guys you beat before look great and all, but... The UFC is quickly pulling away from them and leaving them in the rearview mirror where for us older fans, yeah, that means something. Yeah, it's like, oh, wow, he beat, you know, Eddie Alvarez and Jose Aldo and Chad Mendez and Cerrone. But to some of the newer fans, the guys and girls who are just getting into it, it don't mean two fucking shits to them. I mean, you look you look at Eddie Alvarez, who's in his late 30s, you know, fighting at one championship. You know, he ain't walking through the doors of UFC anymore, I would presume. Jose Aldo, you know, still fighting UFC. His last fight was in December of last year, but not the Jose Aldo of old. 
You know, by no means, Chad Mendes. Chad Mendes' last fight was in December of 2018, so I haven't read anything, but I'm assuming he's retired. Yeah, Chad's done. And then, and then you look at Cerrone. I mean, we, he's lost his last. He's lost one, two, three, four, five of his last six fights. The sixth one being a no contest. Well, not the same Cerrone of old. So Connor needs this fight because, yeah, you beat guys in the past, but all of them are getting older, and it doesn't mean as much anymore. Uh, well, I'll say two things have helped me lean, you know, help me feel comfortable or at least excited a little bit more for this fight uh, is since they've, you know, had their last altercation in January. Uh, one was the uh, full blast by Poirier uh, about Connor and the donation to his charity, mm-hmm. which yeah. riled Connor up a ton <laughs> to the point where, I mean, he was on Twitter blasting him back, which Connor hadn't done leading into the prior fight right. when, they, you know, everything was friendly and hunky dory. Two, Connor, and this was in the uh, YouTube series, uh, moved out to uh, some small town outside Los Angeles, released houses for him, his coaches, and his training partners. There's no family. There's no friends. There's no posse. No nothing. Just Kavanaugh, him, and his team. That is it. And they are training in a gym that Connor bought. So he is dialed in to an absolute T. I, Aaron and I were talking because we watched it together, and she's like, didn't he just have a kid? Yeah. You know, the, she was yeah. pregnant when they yeah. were going into their last fight, and it's yeah. like, yeah. Not, but, lo- not long after the fight, she had the kid. Yeah, and here is Connor now with a newborn saying, uh-uh, I'm dialed in here. And that is the Connor that we needed before when it was everything was a family, you know, my, my, my training area is going to be in my hotel room. My, you know, Connor, you know, Connor Jr. is going to hang out with me while I train, you know, he's going to roll or whatever. None, none of that. It is him and Kavanaugh and they're focused. He needed to, because let's face it, he got embarrassed his last fight. Yeah. Because you come off of him beating Cerrone and touting, oh my God, look at what I did. You know, he gave props to Cerrone's grandmother, whoever it was, you know, you know, that's fine. But touting his win against Cerrone and then saying the Habib loss was a fluke. And, oh, Habib's scared because he knows I'll beat him. You know, and then, oh, I, look at what I did against Eddie Alvarez. And look, look what I did against Jose Aldo. He got embarrassed. You know, so he needs to come out like that because he tried that other method and he got clowned. Yeah. This is going to be a true test for Connor. And that being said, huge implications for Poirier, too. Yeah, I mean, listen, both guys got a shit ton on the line here. Oh, yeah. You know, Poirier took a very dangerous and calculated move here because, and just like Connor said in that tweet, you chose me. You chose MCG over getting your title shot. Uh Uh-huh. You know, you lose title picture, bye-bye. You know what I mean? So, yeah, you're going to get paid regardless, but you, you chose not to go after the title because you wanted me and you wanted your payday. Exactly, and Connor knows that. So I mean, the, the Poirier loses. No, he's out of the title picture just as much as Connor is. Oh yeah, yeah, because he had the chance to get in there, and he he opted for Connor. He opted yeah. for the payday. I'm not mad at him. No, about get it. your get your money, baby. But I mean, better yeah. back it up. Exactly. So that being said, we know you got Connor. <laughs> well, you want to know when? Yes. Three seconds in the first round. No, I'm playing. Get that. Uh, what are you? Uh, no, I um listen. As long as Connor can check those leg kicks. Which you know are going to come, uh, and as long as he, you know, because po- I'm sure, you know, they've jokingly, you know, been saying about no takedowns. As long as Connor can stay off the ground mm-hmm. and he can check those leg kicks, I like Connor midway through the third round. Pad, 
Um, if if what coach has said about Connor is true, and I do trust what coach said about Connor in training to be true, I'm going to say Connor. Connor focused and on his game without any of the outside distractions or nonsense. I'll take I'll take a focus Connor. This is going to be a very good fight. I Don't forget who's hosting this fucking fight, Ken. Oh, so I know. Uh, we know. Choose wisely here. Because if you tune in to twitch.tv slash 6 podcast Saturday night, you will be live from the coach's living room because he is hosting this. Let's go, baby. Listen, I got well, – let me just – my day on this day. So I – my son has a travel game two hours away uh, in a tournament uh, at Sackett's Harbor. I will be going to bed probably roughly after 3 a.m. Finn's first game is at 10 a.m. It's a two-hour drive. We got to be there an hour before the game. I'm going to bed at 3. Do the math. I'm getting up at like 6.15 to get oh, his ass out of bed oh, I've done that and get on the road, baby. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, have you done that before about coaching No, first and second no, graders no, through 10-on-10 10 10 lacrosse games? No, but I've done that turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> it ain't easy. It's a three-hour turnaround. I've done it. Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. No, so I am... Whew, Connor better win, so I go to bed happy. Coffee you know what I'm saying? Friend. Coffee uh, rains, man. Yeah. This, though, Poirier has a lot on the line. That for him to be talking as much as he is, I almost get the sense that he's feeling himself too much in this. That I just... I, you know what? I I actually... Ken, I know I'm interrupting your take here, but I now that you mentioned that, I feel that too. Yeah. Because when I was watching, so Embedded aired the other day, they finally posted that. Yeah, and he, you know, they're playing, uh, you know, they're doing uh, pool foosball, and you know, they're making jokes and everything, and it's real light hard with Poirier when he he wasn't like that last time. No, he wasn't. That's what worries me. This fight. So it's Rocky three reverse now. Yeah, because Poirier knows he's going to get the biggest payday he's had, even more than he got against Habib. I would assume. Fuck yeah! What? Yes. <laughs> so, so that being said, I'm wondering how he's going to go in with this because, obviously, he avenged the first loss he had against Connor. Sure. He looked very impressive this last go-around. But the fact he turned down the title fight to get his money, which I'm not – like I said, I'm not mad get at Get your him money, boo-boo. Exactly. I always say get your money right. I get the sense that he's thinking that he can just turn this on again and Connor is going to be the same old Connor that we know. But the fact that Connor has looked like the Connor of old, I think is a very good sign for Connor. That now it looks like he's dialed in. And this is a guy that understands, I just lost. I need to get back in the cage. I can't be doing any of this nonsense outside where I'm worried about how much proper 12 I'm selling. Turn around any time. other yeah. crap like that. He got right back in and he started training. I think he understands the situation more than Poirier does. And that being said, I am taking Connor to win this. Love it. Let's go, baby. That was all three. Hey, oh. Yeah, the ODPH panel is united about this one. I just think that Connor looks hungrier. Do the he right looks, thing, Rich. He looks like he wants more. <laughs> well, I think Diesel's going to be in attendance, too. So well, what I mean, I know Diesel's already got his animosity, so there's no swaying him. But yeah. Rich, do the right thing. Do uh, the right thing. Come to the power of the dark side. That being said, I do like Connor in this one. I could see this going decision. I think it is going to go late, at least to the fourth. And I think that Connor is going to get the W. Because I think what he's going to do is I think that Poirier is going to try taking him to the ground. And I think that Connor is smart enough to know that. And I think he's been training for it. 
So I think he can handle the wrestling aspect. And if he wants to keep this standing, I think Connor's going to come out very sharp. And I think that he's going to catch him in something. It's not to say that Poirier is going to get ran through. There's no way that's going to happen. Dustin Poirier fights dirty, scrappy fights. That's one thing I'm a huge fan of him about. But I think that just hearing him in interviews and seeing how he's kind of going to feel himself a little bit too much on social media, I think it's going to play into a downfall. And I do like how Connor is coming about this. So that being said, I am taking Connor for the win. Saturday night is going to be a fun night, folks. UFC 264, live reactions on twitch.tv slash 67podcast. Yep. The entire panel is going to be there. You know Rich from 3FN is going to be in the house. Finn's going to be up for the prelims. Finn's going to be there for the prelims. Big Natty Cool is going to be there. The dog is going to be there. Oh, hey Oh, this, this, this could get wild. Yeah, folks. baby. So definitely drop that follow. Enter your picks in the chat. And in the meantime, hit us up on that social media. Let us know what you think. UFC 264. Who you got and why? Is Connor taking the W or is he taking the L? We need to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Sunny Hepburn. And I'm Brandy Fleets. And we're from Book, Book of Lies, the podcast where we discuss liars, cheats, and thieves, scammers, and dirty, rotten scoundrels. You can tune in for new episodes every Tuesday to hear about another lowdown, dirty liar. And learn how to spot them. So that's Book of Lies Podcast. You can connect with us on social media, Twitter at Book of Lies Pod, Facebook, and Instagram at Book of Lies Podcast. Bye! Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and it's time to talk some wrestling. 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 So this Tuesday, as we are recording, WWE NXT is bringing you the card of the summer, quote-unquote, the Great American Bash. Yeah. A long-standing WCW pay-per-view in its heyday, but obviously since it's been absorbed into WWE, they have taken the name and ran with it for the NXT brand. Mm-hmm. Super excited about this. Super yeah. stacked card. You know the panel likes to talk that NXT talk, so let's jump into a pad, shall we? Yeah, so the first match we're going to mention is Cameron Grimes taking on LA Knight for the Million Dollar Championship uh, with the stipulation, if Grimes loses, he becomes Knight's personal butler. To the moon! To the moon. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of think that... Uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, it's so weird because I should have... I felt so stupid because I did uh, the, you know, they had a little playful free pick them with uh, DraftKings. So I played, you know, and a couple, you know, uh, George Gatton, friend of the show, Mm -hmm. and our other friend Al, you know, kind of played it together. And, you know, I was like, oh, this has got to be, you know, uh, Drake's going to lose this one. You know, it's got to go the other way. And I should have realized, you know, that they're going to want to extend this feud. So, unfortunately, I think it's going to go a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And I see Drake winning this one, or L.A. Knight winning this one as well. Yeah, I, I feel like you don't put this stipulation in there if it's, you know, you're not going to follow through on it. And, and I think they can have some real fun with it. To my recollection, they haven't really done this whole butler, you know, you 
personal assistant type of type of deal in a while. The last I can remember was the Nikki Bell and Brie Bella story from like a couple summers ago. Good call, Pad. Yeah, that's going to say. They haven't done it, and I could be wrong, so correct me if I'm wrong. Well, what kind of plays into this is the whole million-dollar aspect of oh, it yeah. with yeah. Virgil and the million-dollar man back in the day. Mm-hmm. So oh, kind yeah. of having these two with Grimes being paired with him as the butler, it kind of works along those lines of the million-dollar mm-hmm. championship where, you know, eventually at some point, you know, once million-dollar man recovers and everything and gets back on his feet, quote-unquote, you know, all of a sudden maybe he can be like a secret investor that maybe. buys, you know, his Grimes services out from underneath night. There's some, you know, maybe just some they, wild maybe, shit. Maybe they get his son, Ted DiBiase Jr. Yeah, that's Ooh. true. I mean, we haven't heard from him in a while. I know yeah. he's he's gotten out of the wrestling business, to my knowledge. So yeah, you never know. But something along those lines, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ken, who you got for this this matchup? Uh, this one. Listen, I love Cameron Grimes. This is this is my new fight forever. I will. I these two <laughs> paired together. Yeah, it's great. Gold. Yeah, that the vignettes. You know, every time. Uh, yeah, and it was such a perfect way to turn Grimes' face. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. was with the vignettes, him getting frustrated with DiBiase buying him out, and then all of a sudden L.A. Knight, you know, is showing up and, and buying, you know, the same things. It's like that was a, such a playful way to turn him face that it worked so well that, yeah, you just you have to extend this feud. It's still there. It's still percolating, so it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, obviously these guys are just so well together, and they and they play off each other so much. I mean, Cameron Grimes, who is the Beverly Hillbilly, that's <laughs> got all the money, and it, it's hysterical. You haven't seen him, just like I said, to the moon. You know, good for him for catching on this, the Doge when he did, and the yeah. AMC and the GMC, and being like, no, nah, I'm going to turn this into a, you know, a whole character because, I mean, not that he was fledgling, but like just the the hillbilly aspect thing was already there, and he caught on something that was just on fire. It's so at brilliant, such a good perfect time that like not to say that he salvaged his career but like he really took it and elevated everything to the point where now he's you know a fan favorite you know well the one thing we have to remember too is with nxt you're only given that two-hour window right Mm -hmm. and it's stacked i mean that roster is absolutely stacked that even when they do their releases which i know we'll touch upon after the we go through the card it's still crazy to think that if that roster still isn't taking any hits, yeah. And for everybody to get on there, you really got to be at the yeah. top of your game. Yep. For Cameron Grimes, who came in and we all know him from the Indies. I mean, he was doing great work. Sure. Finally, gets a gimmick that gets over and is over big, and then to flip the coin, we have Eli Drake coming in doing this whole L.A. Knight gimmick, which I mean, you can kind of say what you want about it. Yeah. Right. I mean, L.A. Knight's best. The best thing that happened to him was Grimes doing the Doge stuff. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then he could kind of piggy tail on his coat, you know, on the coattails there of, you know, the investor with the money and everything. Yeah. And he's so well on the mic, too, that it just blends into it. That yep. you want a guy that comes in with charisma just oh, yeah. pouring out of him. That's Eli Drake. So when they signed him and we finally get to see what he can do, because when he first came in, he kind of got lost in the shuffle, yep. let's be honest. But then we they finally paired these two together and it's been gold every time they come in. I'm taking L.A. Knight for this one because just the vignettes they'll do after this. Yeah. And it could be another big lead into the next takeover, which I think they're going to do the Saturday night before SummerSlam. I believe so, mm-hmm. yeah. Or no, uh, SummerSlam's on Saturday. It'll be like the Sunday after. Right. Like the, whatever they're doing for that, that takeover, that'll be the blow off to the feud, which I hate. I'm here for. Yeah. 
Next up. Uh, next up, you have a uh, face-to-face between Karrion Cross and Johnny Gargano. Not not having a match, but they're meeting the other face-to-face in the ring. Samoa Joe will be in attendance. William Regal will be in attendance as well. Um, he thinks this is going to lead to a match between the two for the NXT Championship mm-hmm. at the next TakeOver, especially if you pay attention to who's been showing up on main event the last couple of weeks. Some NXT Championship carrying Karrion Cross. Yeah, so, me thinks you're right. Showed up on last week's main event. Uh, spoiler alert, he's on this week's main event as well. So he's been featured on main event a lot this week. Uh, this week he's facing Drew Gulak on main event. Oh. So that, that, that might be worth a watch. I mean, it, yeah, just if you're going to lose, if you're going to have Karrion Cross lose to a fellow heel, have it be a heel that has a posse that mm-hmm. can, you know, schmoz the finish and dirty things up where Karrion Cross can still look strong. Yeah. And, you know, Gargano can go over and be that chicken shit heel. Yeah, it just makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of an interesting play because we've heard rumors that Vince has been down to the Performance Center. That yep. He's scouting Karrion Cross, Bronson Reed, who just lost the North American title to yeah. Hit Row. Yeah, I love that gimmick. Yeah, yeah. I, which by the way, they're doing a championship cipher apparently at the uh-huh. Great American Bash as well. So to see that they're going to be doing some call ups, this makes sense for Karrion Cross to lose eventually when he has his next match. Sure. Because the one thing that we touched upon, Coach, since you've been gone, is after the, he had that five-way yeah. against you know Cole, O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, and Gargano, it was one of those situations like, where do you go from here? Like, who the hell is that? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you beat those five guys. You've already beat Finn Balor twice. Exactly. You know, it's like, yeah, I, the only other challenger is Samoa Joe. Yeah. And you're not going to have Samoa Joe choke him out. So the only other option is chicken shit heel, schmaz the finish, carrying cross goes on his way. Bye, yeah. Scarlet. Yeah. But, yeah. but they'll be on the main roster. Yeah, so, but, know. I mean, it's not going to be the same Scarlet because, you know, they're the kids. I, I Well, I'm just hope, I'm hoping. NXT. I'm just hoping. Yeah. I'm just hoping for. I think we all are. Yes. We have to keep good thoughts. Good thoughts. I'm married spud. I'm married spud. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, honey. <laughs> The thoughts, views, and opinions of that coach. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying what it is. You know, I mean, you can deal with him when he gets home. Yeah, I know. I mean, it just, you know, it is what it is. Like, I mean, obviously, the the character's over. Karen Cross is an absolute monster among yeah. men. Yeah. I mean, he'll look great on Raw, especially now with the void of Bra- uh, Braun Strowman not being there. Um, so, I mean, it makes a ton of sense for him to be up there. He can be an immediate challenger for the world title. He can carry the belt. Scarlet can talk for him. Don't give him the yeah. mic. Yeah. Don't. Give him the mic and <laughs> just let him be over. You know, just let him be a dominant. F- you know, I mean, any and he can be a face up there. If if you give him the mic, he he can only say two words: TikTok. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, that's what they need on Monday Night Raw, especially. So, yeah. So you know, it makes a lot of sense, and they want to get that program going. I'm here for it. So they they need that monster, and I don't mean that in the literal sense. They need that big monster type of of heel on that or on that show that. You don't have to have fans sit there and go, wait, what the fuck is going on? My my the only not the only only thing that is my knock on him is I I went in not knowing the carrying cross of the indies. Sure. So I thought like he was along the lines of uh, you know, just a big guy who could work, you know, a la mm-hmm. um, Keith Lee type guy. You know what I mean? Uh and so I didn't know. You know, yeah. I didn't know. And then he got on NXT and worked some matches and then I was like Oh, this guy can't work for shit. So that's the only thing that I'm worried about is those guys on the main roster aren't going to be able to give him the same matches that the guys on NXT, like a Gargano, 
you know, like an Adam Cole, like a Balor, you know, those guys, you know, those guys can work matches that make him look amazing. You know, Randy Orton's not going to have the same kind of match with him. You no, know? no, he's not. And I think that's just one aspect when you get to the main roster. I mean, this is why NXT is a completely different brand than, right. than Raw or SmackDown. But I think anything right now can help Raw because Raw is bad. Yeah, I, it's unwatchable. I'm not going to lie, guys. I haven't watched in months. Same here. NXT, I've, I've dabbled in, but I, I can't get more than five minutes into Raw. Uh, Raw, I check the YouTube clips uh, th- that they post You know, the next day. I see if a title of a video catches my eye. I'll watch it if it does. If I don't, I keep moving. Yep. I literally just go based off of whatever Lou from Pina Comics or <laughs> SWO. Yeah, I, I just I, I read Cage Side, and then I go from there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just it hasn't been good, and there's nothing that's really screaming like, watch this show like i really try giving it the benefit of the doubt yeah you can't but it's just bad i mean that's the easiest way to describe it like i just don't watch it so i don't get on twitter and complain about it i just don't watch it yeah i mean there's nothing to complain about it's just the roster stagnant obviously the draft is coming up yeah it just it kind of is what it is and i don't think it's any you know part of it was breaking up the hurt business i think oh really hurt it was so to speak hurt business um you know ah thank you uh you know and i i I, I think Lashley's a great champion. Uh, you know, Drew, what can you say about Drew McIntyre? I just I feel so bad for him because obviously had his championship run during peak COVID and just never got momentum. And they put him in shit storylines with Randy Orton where it was like, you didn't support me and now I'm going to kick you in the face. And it was like, that's yeah. not helping anybody. So... You know, I, I hope that he doesn't win the money in the bank because that just won't help anything regardless of fans being in the building because now it's to the point where I think Drew needs to be off TV for a little bit and would, we need a little, you know, gone, uh, you know, but not forgotten type thing. It would help a lot. It definitely would. So that being said, we will have to see what the Cross Gargano meeting of the minds is going to be, but still a lot of good matches still in the card. Yeah. Pat, what you got? Next up is uh, for the NXT Tag Team Championships with MSK defending against Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the Ciampa-Thatcher tag team has been a ton of fun, especially going from rivalry to, uh, you know, this companionship, you know, them bringing the chairs down now watching matches. I think it's a ton of fun, so I think I think they go over here and, and carry their momentum. Okay, yeah, I think I think Thatcher and, and Chomp are going to win as well. And uh, one word to say about the end of this match: Ow! It still blows my mind that Thatcher and Champa are on the same team. Yeah, like it just for whatever reason, I get Y two AJ vibes, <laughs> and I don't like that. No, and, I but mean, I love both these guys. It it was just funny because all of a sudden, like I hadn't watched NXT like regularly and then I flip it on and then all of a sudden I see them both out there with the chair gimmick and them sitting down watching the match and I was like I love this yeah I am in for it and I did I in, instantly stopped channel flipping and watched it yeah no I mean they're great together like it just it just hasn't sunk in that they're a team for some reason I don't know why because probably like when I see their their merch I'm just like oh this just reeks of Y2H8 <laughs> stuff for me and I can't get into it this is gonna be a great match I'm excited to see it MSK is the future of WWE tag teams Period. I don't care what brand it is. I think they still retain, and I cannot wait to see uh, some grizzled young vets get involved. Yeah. yeah, I just, I don't know. I just feel like when you put a tag team like two single guys together like this, you know, 
the easy route to do is, you know, have them lose, have them cost each other, and then go the single route, you know, and have them restart up their rivalry. It's just if you have them lose, that almost feels like the automatic way that you have to go. Mm. You know what I mean? So I feel like you, you give them the win or maybe a DQ finish, you know, where Grizzly Young Vets come in, cost them, and now we get a three-way yeah. type situation. I could see that kind of playing out because um, MSK has been great as tag team titles. It's just like you think about the size and the, the power that Ciampa and uh, Thatcher have, and it's like, do you really like Ch- Thatcher is such just such a a force? It's like, can you really see MSK like doing any of the flippity flip spots on a guy like Thatcher? No, he bend him and break him in half. Right, but I think that's what adds such a cool dynamic to this. Yeah, game. no, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I mean yeah, yeah. this is. I'm with you on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with you. This is along the lines of when we were getting. Um, the revival, you know, against uh, Gable and um, Jason Jordan Jordan and, uh, you know, that type of line where it was like such a dynamic match and and they were able to work with clashing uh, styles that it was just over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is going to be just one of those matches where styles are really going to mesh and we'll see what we get out of this. Yeah. But I could could see this going either way, but I think they're going to have MSK hold on just a little bit longer. And go for a bigger match at takeover. Yeah, I think it's gonna. I, now that I've, I've uh, the smash finish and uh, Grizzly Young Vets are gonna cost them, and then we're gonna get a three way. Yeah, maybe even a four. Maybe they'll end up throwing in somebody else too to make it a four way. Yeah, tag I, title I, match. I could definitely see that happening too. Next up, Pat. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, just quick, uh, quickly, uh, NXT new NXT North American Champion Isaiah Swerve Scott and Hit Row present a championship yeah. celebration oh. cipher. So that'll probably be, a, you know, I don't want to say a burn off, but just kind of like, all right, let's let the crowd breathe for a minute between matches. So that'll definitely be something to check out. Uh, and then the next actual matchup you have is for the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships, uh, where The Way uh, is de- and Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell uh, is defending their belts against Io Shirai and Zoe Stark. I, I think the way when this one, I, you de- I can definitely, the vibe are kind of out there that The Way is going to get their you know, their titles and they're going to own all the titles at some point. Mm. I mean, Swerve having the Amer, you know, the U S title, obviously theory can very easily pursue that title with Gargano being the champion. So you can kind of see him taking that route. So I, I think the way to retain. Pat? Yeah, I'm going to say the way too, although not without a run in or a possible distraction from one uh, love interest from for Indy Hartwell. <laughs> Just because I love that storyline. Oh, sure. Index. Yeah. yeah index yeah, all day. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping for that storyline to continue. But no, yeah, I think the way is going to retain. I think the way is going to win because, like I touched upon with Thatcher and Ciampa, I still get that kind of vibe with Zoe Stark and Io Shirai. Like, yeah. They, it's just like we're throwing a tag team together, even though it's a huge step and show respect for Zoe Stark to be involved with this. Sure. Because Io Shirai, I mean, dominated the NXT women's division for a good run. And now to see them all get paired in the tag team titles, like it's going to be a fun match. I just I don't see them moving the belts off to I, I hate saying makeshift tag team, but it kind of is. No, I mean when when you look at NXT, you know, and what you think of, you think of the fact that they have always had such depth in the tag team division mm-hmm. that when you see guys like Thatcher and Ciampa and you know Stark and uh, Io paired together, you're like, but why? You know, you like you get that kind of vibe, but at the same time though. You know, it kind of makes sense because both, you know, parties might not have a position right now as far as title picture. So pairing them together kind of puts them in a a holding pattern where they're still involved in storylines and getting over. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So that being said, we're at the main event, I believe. Yeah, so this is uh, between Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. This is their second match uh, between each other. Lord have mercy, teeth are going to go flying in this one. Coach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, this uh, this storyline's been a ton of fun. You know, I mean, obviously, Adam Cole on his own. Um, I don't, and Kyle O'Reilly's been dynamic. You know, I, I haven't really loved his, you know, independent <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly. Cool you, Kyle. Yeah, cool Kyle. I'm not really like I'm not totally sold on it. Um, you know, I I love though with Adam Cole though, the powerful heel that still knows how to cheat to win. You know what I mean? Like yeah. cuz we haven't had that in a long time. The cere- the cerebral type heel. You know, like that's what I thought Seth Rollins was going to be when he got paired with Triple H and instead, you know, they went the other route with the chicken shit. Um, I really, I get excited when a heel is, uh, cerebral in his attack, but knows, okay, Ooh, the ropes are over here. Let me, you know, let me put my feet up or let me grab the trunks. That type of heel is, is dynamic because they can go any other way. He can win clean or he can, you know, win dirty and it it's over either way. So I love what they've done with Cole, but the Kyle O'Reilly thing, meh, but I, I think Adam Cole, I think Adam Cole has to win, unfortunately. Because, I mean, you got to set somebody up for the way and Gargano after this. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Adam Cole. I don't know. I just, I just don't – I don't really know how this is going to go, so I'm literally flipping a coin. Yeah, this feud, like, I like both of these guys together, but the Cool Kyle thing is just not hitting with it's me. It's just I, not landing. Yeah, it's just – I don't know. It's just not connecting. I thought Kyle O'Reilly would go over if they're going to call Cole up to the main roster. That's the only thing I could see happening Fair, if they just want to get rid of him. He hasn't gotten any, you know, of these main event type matches where, you know, Karrion Cross and uh, Bronson Lee have. So. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that being said, I will take – or I'm going to flip my my original pick because I said on 607 TWS I was going to go O'Reilly. I'm going to take Cole. Okay. And, and I think that they'll extend this to something. I'd love to see this end in a Hell in a Cell. Uh, because they've be never fun. done that in NXT. True. And True. If you're going to do it, why not do it with these two? And just that's how you end the feud. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the only way you go hell in the cell is maybe if Bobby Fish is hanging around. Yeah. Maybe if he gets his way in this, um, you know, maybe you know, we see a little uh, Red Dragon. I'd be all right pure, with that. You know, Red Dragon pure, not Red Dragon with, you know, the other two hanging around. This is pure Red Dragon where they have nothing but animosity for Adam Cole, you know, a la ROH days. Mm-hmm. You know, then maybe that would lead to the Hell in the Cell because, hey, we got to keep Bobby Fish out of the in- involvement of this match. But, yeah, I just – I don't know. I, I To me, it's like, you know, if you, if you have Cole lose – you know, yes, that sets Kyle O'Reilly up for Gargano, but like, is that the route that you want to go? You know, both kind of small, slender guys. You know, and Gargano are yeah, and um, O'Reilly just had two title matches against Balor mm-hmm. and was involved in the five way and still couldn't get over. You know, wouldn't you rather have Adam Cole be the guy set up next? You would, plus with Samoa Joe hanging in the background, you would think. So I mean, that makes a lot of sense to happen. So we'll just have to wait and see. It's going to be an exciting night, though, happening on the USA Network Tuesday night. So definitely let us know your picks. And just to quickly mention, too, because we were talking on social media about it. Sure. WWE did another round of releases. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't have the full lineup for this class around, but notable names was Breezango. That yeah. was Killian Dane. Uh, the, the Tyler Breeze thing was tough in the Duffy household because we are uh, noted up, up, down, down fans. So there was a lot of, like, you know, state of flux for what this means for you know up up down down with breeze uh and everything but it seems like they're gonna allow 
Breeze to still be a member of the Up Up Down Down team and family. And so I think sense. that's great. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think that's you know great. I mean, obviously they've made some uh, wall, you know fourth wall breaking type jokes. You know, with it like last episode left with like, are we going to be here on Wednesday next week? We don't know. Stay tuned and find out. So it's been like a ton of fun. Um, so yeah, that was tough. I mean, obviously when anybody loses his job, it's sad, but Absolutely. you know, th- these type of, you know, these wrestlers, you know, especially the NXT guys with having, you know, typically such, uh, independent, you know, type indie, you know, backgrounds, you know, know how to land on their feet and, and, and get the momentum going again. Yeah. I mean, I know the internet has been running a little crazy with this idea that Vince is selling the company and that's why they're doing this. And I'm going to stick to the guns I've been saying for a while now too. This is a business restructure before they go back out on the road. It's, mm-hmm. un- it's yeah. unfortunate, but this is the nature yep. of the business that with independent contractors, as they are noted as, right. that they're just really fine-tuning who they're bringing out on the road and really trying to get everything to where they want it for a business direction. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about the NXT brand, you know, it's not necessarily a money-making entity. So yeah. when you have multiple guys on the NXT roster that are making Monday and Friday night money, it makes it difficult to bring those guys on the road and pay them when the gates aren't going to be necessarily the same as a Raw or SmackDown house show. And yep. especially, like you mentioned, they're getting ready to go back out on the road. They're going to need to rehire a lot, if not all, of their road travel folks, you know, to build the ring, disassemble the ring, build the stage, disassemble the stage. Like everything that goes into making that production go from week to week. I imagine they're going to have to rehire it, most, if not all of them, if you know, depending on what happened. And if you need to, you know, build in some cash to pay those folks so that they can do their jobs, you look at where you have some, you know, money laying around. They're like, all right, we've got these folks that it sucks. We have to cut them, but we're not using them. You know, and, and as you've seen, if you're not dumb and you don't burn bridges on your way out, you know, there's a very good likelihood that you'll get brought back. You know, I mean, Breeze was really popular in the rock locker room and so was, Fan, yeah. you know, Fandango. So, yeah. you know, it's very you know, very possible that you could very, you know, that you could see them down the road back, you know, whether it's in a coaching position or an agent position or, you know, or whatever, like it's very, you know, as long as you don't burn bridges, you know, and you don't alienate yourself on your exit, you can very easily be brought back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the only people that have been really outspoken since the release was uh, Tony Nese. Yeah. I know it was, it was very vocal. I mean, I can understand being emotional. You lose yeah, the job. And not so, only that, I can understand being frustrated with the fact that, you know, you, you were promised this big, you know, not that he was necessarily promised this spot on 205 Live, but 205 Live had this promise and this kind of aura around it where it was going to be, you know, a, a show that was going to, um, you know, be there and have prominence and some sort of like separate dedicated time slot to it. And then all of a sudden it got, you know, bumped to, well, we're going to tape you behind SmackDown at 11 o'clock where fans are going to be exiting the building. We're going to air it on Wednesday nights after NXT when yeah. people probably have to go to bed because on the East Coast you got to go to work. So, you know, and I know it could be replayed, but it just wasn't the same sort of notion and feeling when it was originally pitched that it was going to be. So I can understand the frustration to that. Well, and I just don't think they ever knew what the heck they were going to do with it. No. Because, yeah. because once you got out of that Cruiserweight Classic tournament, which was awesome, we're going to, like, in everything Coach mentioned, but let's not forget, oh, we're going to feature him on Raw. And then, oh, hey, we're going to give you your own show, and then we're going to bounce you around like a tennis ball in a tennis match. Yeah. It was just one of the situations where I think the direction for 205 Live never was clear cut. Sure. And I think that, unfortunately, that became a casualty to the business restructuring. Yep. So yeah. we wish everybody good luck in the future endeavors. We hopefully will see somebody on the indies. You never know when they might pop through Excite Wrestling. Sure. Who's going to be coming back open. So. 
who knows? We'll just have to kind of stay tuned and watch. But, you know, first thing we're going to be watching this week, though, NXT's Great American Bash. So definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your thoughts about the card? Obviously, if you catch this episode after the show airs, hit us with your takes. What did you like? What did you not? And let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got? I got to talk local minute uh, because the Binghamton Rumble Ponies are back in town this week, uh, starting on Tuesday, July sixth through Sunday, July eleventh. They're in town to play New Hampshire. Uh, game times and more information, including promos and what they got going on, because hey, fireworks are this weekend uh, on betbingrp.com. Uh, and then from a base, got to talk a little bit of baseball because, hey, the All-Star game is practically upon us, which means the Home Run Derby is practically upon us. And you know how much I love the Home Run Derby. Absolutely. And holy shit, they are stacking the field this year. So this isn't everybody, but this is just the folks they've announced that are participating in the Home Run Derby. Uh, returning to defend his championship will be Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets. Uh, Baltimore Orioles first baseman Trey Mancini. Uh, Colorado Rockies shortstop Trevor Story. We're looking for a little hometown cooking. Of course, the All-Star game is in Colorado this year. Uh, and then you've got Kansas City Royals catcher Salvador Perez. But my pick, lock it in. We don't even got the full goddamn field in. Lock this shit in now. Angels outfielder pitcher Shohei Otani. Oh, boy. The man who is drawing comparisons to Babe Ruth in his 1919 season with the numbers he's putting up is participating in the home run derby. Shohei Otani, that Colorado air, that thin Colorado air, because they're up high. You know how balls like to fly out there. Yes. Give it to me with Shohei all goddamn day. Uh, and then the uh, for the All-Star game itself, the starters were announced for uh, the teams. I won't run through everything, you know, the reserves and this and that, the pitchers. But I will just name the starters. Uh, at first base for the National League, this is the National League. At first base, you've got Freddie Freeman from the, uh, the Braves. Adam Frazier from the Pirates. At second base, shortstop is Fernando Tatis Jr. from the Padres. My God, that guy's fun to watch. Uh, third base is Nolan Arenado from the Cardinals. Catcher is uh, Buster Posey from the San Francisco Giants. And then in the outfield, you've got Ronald Acuna Jr. from the Braves, Nick Castellano, Castellanos from the Reds, and then Jesse uh, Winker from the Reds as well. Uh, and then on the American League side, you've got Vlad Guerrero Jr. from the Toronto Blue Jays at first, Marcus Simeon from the Blue Jays at second base, Xander Bogarts from the Red Sox at short, third base is Rafael Devers from the Red Sox, Salvador Perez from the Royals is behind the plate, uh, and then in the outfield, you've got Mike Trout from the dot from the Angels. However, he will not be playing. He's got an injury going on, and he will not uh, be participating in the game. So somebody else will be filling it in his spot. Uh, you've got Aaron Judge in the New York Yankees, and then Teoscar Hernandez from the Toronto Blue Jays. And then you're the designated hitter slash pitcher because, yes, folks, he is pitching. He is hitting. Angels manager Joe Madden said they're going to let him do it. Shohei Otani. That's so wild to me that they cleared him to do that. Oh, yeah. the uh, Because if I'm not mistaken, they still follow the rule where the uh, managers who manage the respective uh, league teams. So whoever was on the National League side last year and the American League side for those teams' managers manage 
those teams in the in the All Star game. Um, Joe Madden, it was not one of those uh, managers, but Joe Madden, who manages the LA Angels, said, "No, we're going to let Shohei pitch and hit." Hey, I mean, more power to it. I mean, the All Star game is what it is. It's yeah. supposed to be a fun exhibition. Yeah, I always hated when it was like the World Series matters yeah. for, for wins because. It's just supposed to be a celebration. Thanks, Bud Selig. It'll be kind of interesting to see how they uh, handle the substitution for him because he'll yeah. have to take double switch. Yeah, yeah, it'll have to be a double switch have to with double switch with him. Yeah. Uh, he'll probably have to be in the field first, then move yeah. the pitcher right, and then yeah. sub. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah probably. Because let's face it, they've never dealt with this. Because yeah, how about that fucking baseball stat for you there, oh, people? Coach, baseball rules. Coach came yeah. back. Let me open yeah. the old rule book here. Uh, yep, line uh, one, page seventeen dash C. I don't think I. I don't think they've ever had to deal with this. Not since know. the Roofster. Yeah, no, it's been quite a while. Was that? Uh, that's a nickname I just dubbed for him, by the way. Oh, I'll, I'll <laughs> take Amazing. It. Yep. The rooster, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Yep. The baseball guy. Coach, what you got <laughs> for your pick here? Uh, well, I, I, you know, I'm going to kind of touch on, uh, you know, lacrosse. Uh, the Premier League, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to talk about it because, you know, been busy. Uh, has been, uh, you know, going here. They are in uh, week four of the season. Um, uh, they, uh, interesting enough, guys, had a little altercation in the beginning of the year. Uh, players got suspended and or released from the league due to a little after bar fight. Yikes. A little Yo. fish hooking and a missing finger. So, Jesus yeah, you man. guys haven't fucking, heard this. Fucking excuse me. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys haven't heard this. Yep, there was a little foot. Uh, this is old news in the lacrosse world, but let me bring it to you guys. Uh, there was a little altercation in the hotel bar. Okay. Uh, things got, you know, said. Okay. Uh, a gentleman fished hooked another man. Uh, said guy getting fished hooked bit finger to get it out of the fish hooking position. A uh, little fist fight ensued. Uh, the brawl got broken up. Both players got released from the league. So that's a little tidbit for you guys. Yo. Uh, <laughs> also, uh, wow. right now we're in week four. Uh, the Whip Snakes, the two-time defending champions, are four and one. Uh, you got the Archers sitting in uh, second place, the Redwoods in third, and the Atlas sitting in fourth. Uh, also in news today, Chris Hogan was traded. Uh, yes, that Chris Hogan, the former wide receiver from Pads. New England Patriots, yep. was uh, traded from the Cannons that uh, drafted him in the entry draft for uh, face-off man Kevin Reisman to get the Cannons, and the Whip Snakes received Chris Hogan and Drew Simino. A uh, little update on Hogan. Uh, Pat, he's actually played, I would say, comparable. Okay. Uh, he only, He's only played so far, I believe, in one week. Okay. But obviously, a guy who came from outside in, you know, difficult to break this roster. But he he did play in college. He did, he did. So I mean, yeah, kudos to him for being able to even get on a game day roster. Uh, It wasn't difficult, you know, it wasn't easy for him to do. But he did and played. I would say comparable compared to what other players have done. He's uh, playing defensive midi, so I mean, he's obviously just playing defense and then getting off the field. But he's done. Well, that's good. So, yep, that's good, good uh, for him. Yeah, so I mean, they're in Minnesota this week. Um, uh, some big matchups. I know they got a Friday night game. Um, uh, the that airs, I believe, on Peacock, and then the other game, I believe, they're going to have one on NBC Sports Network this week, and then the rest will be on the Peacock Network. So, obviously, you wrestling fans out there that have the Peacock Network, you have access to all this lacrosse. You get bored. You know, uh, hey, uh, you know, Big Cat from uh, the Barstool world uh, is full-on, you know, watcher. Also, so, you know, you fans out there of him, watch some lacrosse. He likes it, too. You know, just getting eyes on the sport, guys, okay? 
Um, but um, yeah, you know, watch it and take a nap. I don't give a shit. Watch till halftime. Take a nap. Wake up in the second half and and watch the rest of the second half. I don't care. Just watch a game. Just watch a game. Hockey's almost over. It's almost the same sport. You like hockey? Chances are you're probably gonna like lacrosse. Do it. You know, do it. Easy there, Shia LaBeouf. Do it. I'm just trying to think how I come back and, and finish out something after the fish hook story. Like, yeah, I know. Well, I up. hadn't been here, so I had to tell. I had to at least fill you guys in on what happened there. It was wild. It swept lacrosse Twitter by storm. People were researching things. I'll try and track down the video and send it to you. Oh, the right, finger, yeah. not the fight. You yeah, can see yeah. the finger. It's wild. That's so damn wild, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, seriously, that's insane. Yeah, there's already and and there was a fight this week. Paul Rabel, the creator of the league, got into a little fight uh, with defender Mike Rowlett, ripped the helmet off, threw it in his face. Really nonchalantly broke Rowlett's nose. Will Paul Rabel be suspended? We don't know. A guy got fired, you know, got fired for fish hooking. Will Paul Rabel, creator of the league, get suspended or and or fined? I don't know. I went to a lacrosse I don't game know. and a hockey fight broke out. Yeah. Jesus, man. Well, like, what the hell's going on in this Yeah. Well, I mean, they allow fighting in the PLL. You know, that was one thing that they were like, you know, we're not going to necessarily barred from happening because, you know, you see these guys all the time, animosity, bruise. You got to let that out. And uh, it's very interesting. So, to say good the, times. To say the least. I, yeah. Damn, I might have to start watching this because, I mean, I do like my, my bare-knuckle fighting, too. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to wait for the heated matchups. I mean, so it was the Cannons versus uh, – who the hell did they play? So it was the Cannons versus, I think, Chaos. So when they play again, I'll let you know there will be some animosity there, and that's when you might see a scrap or two. All right. I'm definitely down to check that out. Okay. Uh, I guess for my base, like, I was going to try even talking hockey, but I can't even top that. Uh, we are in the Stanley Cup Finals. Yeah. Tampa Bay is up 3-1 on did Montreal. A, they allegedly did not throw last night. Yes, even though that was getting talked like by their mayor. <laughs> yeah. I heard that. Wow. Real so, smart. Yeah. Allegedly. You know, Florida, like, you know, they don't necessarily think before they speak. Not that all Floridians do that, yeah. but, you know, yeah. Yeah. A, a couple of them, not yeah. too smart. No, no, definitely not. But, yeah, I, mean, I mean, this was kind of a wild thing because I – In I, a day and age where – Betting is at an all-time high. Yeah. The comments of, you should throw the game so you can win it at home, and then you proceed to lose the game in overtime, doesn't look good. It's a, it's just, just, just ask the uh, the Chicago Black Sox about yes. how throwing games go. Yeah. Doesn't look good. No, I, like, I know it was a throwaway comment, but damn, did it ever come back to haunt them. Yeah. But Tampa Bay is up 3-1 in the series against Montreal. Tomorrow, as we record... Uh, Wednesday night will be game five, and ironically, it's in Tampa. So let's see what happens and if Tampa's going to re-raise in the cup. Little tidbit, Montreal is 2-0 and with Sami Zayn in the attendance. Mm. So, Sami, I don't know if you listen to the show, but, sir, challenges to you. Get to Tampa Bay. Try and save your team. Yes. Because you, yourself, are the only reason why they win. This is definitely facts. So, right, I mean, what else can you say? They're 2-0 and with him in attendance. You do the math. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and my original base, because I just had to throw that in there, uh, Fedor has been announced he is going to be returning to fight for Bellator. Wild. Yeah. At 44 years of age. Oh, I, I thought he was, was 50s. Just, I was just going to look up how old he was. No. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I instantly assumed post 50 years old. No, no, 44. That's how old his body feels. Yes. Yeah. So he hasn't fought um, in a very, very long time. And obviously, for good reason. Well, was yes. it before or after I was in diapers? Well, like I say, <laughs> if you know his history in, in MMA, I mean, it writes itself. And to see that he's going to be fighting in Moscow, 
uh, at the VTB Arena, October 23rd. Uh, no more information has been go- given out exactly. I mean, it is going to be a Bellator fight. Uh, we do know that opponent has not been officially named. I did see some stuff on the internet trying to buzz around that it was going to be Jack- I Jake Hager. fucking hope not. The yeah. dude couldn't even win a fake pro ca- cage fight. And now you want him to go in there against Fedor? Yeah, like uh, American I, guy who had a persona being super American and patriotic going up against a Russian boy. Where have I seen this before? Oh, I mean, that sells itself. I'm just saying when a guy can't even win a fake staged cage fight, now you want to have him be credible and go into a cage fight against Fedor in Moscow? Hmm, good right. Luck. Good luck. And, my, and, and Tampa Bay didn't lose that game on purpose, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah. like I said, there's conspiracy theories running crazy. Like I said, the opponent has not been named. I know like the internet was buzzing with Jake Hager. Maybe we'll hear something on AEW Dynamite, which we have to give a very quick plug because we'll dive into it next week. They're going to be uh, on the road the first time out of Jacksonville for the first time since COVID broke. Uh, so Miami, Florida is going to be having the Road Rager card. Yeah, they've got like three pay-per-view cards back to back to back. Not WCW. Yeah. Again, not WCW. Right. But free pay-per-views, not WCW. Same, but different. Same, but, but different. still same. same. Like I say, uh, the card will be interesting because obviously it's going to be Cody Rhodes in front of a crowd. So how much pyro are we going to have? Um, are the elite going to copy the 90s Triple H mustaches again, or are they going to pretend like they didn't do that? As far as I can tell, they're not on the card. No. So this is going to be all... They must be defending their other seven titles that they have. Yeah. Probably. Like, the main event, I'm assuming, is going to be Cody and QT Marshall in the strap match, because that's... <laughs> that will put butts in the seat. And then you have Seats. the inner circle against the pinnacle again. Oh, that's new yeah. and fresh. Yeah. Are the pinnacle... Are the... Um, are they still doing the biker gimmick now? I saw that. Yes. I saw that. Yeah, that's Yeah, because that's a thing. You know, you go from being the uh, boardroom type executives wearing suits and, and popping bubbly to now you're a motorcycle gang. It's just that's creative. It's just interesting what they're doing. Like I said, like <laughs> I know, but I'm I'm with you. Like I don't get it. I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, we've already had two blow off matches for this feud. It should sure. be over and done with. So the fact we're still carrying it over. In fact, we even get more of an MJF versus Chris Jericho standoff because now. To have one more match with MJF, Chris Jericho's have to agree to some terms, which I'm like, you already did this with Cody, and he had to get the lashes, and then he had to go fight Wardlow in a cage, and then you fought. Sure. So, it, it, like, we're already hitting reset. I, like, I don't get it. I'm And like I say, I will laugh hysterically on Twitter if this is the exact same thing. You got hey, to get lashes and go fight Wardlow in a cage. They have one of the most, year, like, longest storied, wrestling storylines and all of the history of wrestling with hangman page okay the past is like, gonna be so good yeah i mean it, it, it's been a year build up t- for him to 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 face kenny omega that like uh yeah that's gonna definitely be on the card i just don't even get that hype around that like i know they just they're finally <laughs> teasing it because of whatever the the promo like I, I did catch the promo last week yeah and I was like, this is the big payoff? Like, Yeah, all of a sudden a guy who hasn't been around the title picture, because wins and losses matter, yep. now all of a sudden is in the title picture, where, I mean, he, has he even won many matches lately? Yeah, you know, he, he's, he's ever since he lost to Brian Cage, he's been winning. Oh, okay. So, he, right. so he has actually been doing that. Okay, so anyway, all of a sudden now he's in the title picture. Yeah, but now like all of a sudden he, he can't handle the pressure of fighting Kenny Omega. Like, allegedly. This right, is the deal right, that's it. what the deal is. But this has been a year building. To this, I guess for some, like for me, I just, I just, I'm so confused. His with their confidence was down. Okay, yeah. he was down on his luck. Like I say, I'm so confused with how they do their storylines. Like it's tough for me to watch. Like I love the in ring work. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's super indie. Matches go on about 10 minutes too long. Sure. Because everybody's got to just do over-the-top stuff. Like, I'm sorry, the Canadian Destroyer should not be a setup move. It should be a finisher, especially if you do one off the top hey, rope. Hey, 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 hey. The suplex used to be a finisher, okay? Yeah. Okay? All right? You, you WWE mark, okay? God. I'll, I'll take my mark. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah. My, well, my, you know, the super kick used to be a, a finisher too, okay? Yeah. yeah. Goddamn shell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why don't you push uh, WWE some more over there, huh? Yeah. Yeah, oh, I know. I'll, I'll hear about it. Give me Twitter. the give me the Canadian destroyer, you know, and then have me do a double flippy top, topsy turvy flip move off the top rope. It's a setup move. Yeah, yeah. Only Tombstone pile driver off the top rope. Only, only what win, is it? Only win by roll up. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, the, the the Tombstone pile driver that that's not a finisher. That's a setup move now, and you can do that off the top rope. Yeah, nobody's ever gotten hurt doing something like that. Oh, Ken. Yeah, you're so old school. I know. Get get with the new times, man. Get cool. Get hip. This, Sorry, guys. All right. No, I, this, this, this has been a while. I know. Listen, I haven't gotten to shit on them in so long, and my frustration was so pent up. Oh, so, I know. That's why I had that to throw was, it in. Yeah, you had to I was going to gonna fucking, skip it. I was going to skip it. You son of a bitch. You set me up for that. <laughs> yes, rant. I did. You bastard. <laughs> Welcome you back, bastard. motherfucker. <laughs> I, man, you have no... I mean, I literally... I watched the MJF, Sammy Guevara thing, and got five minutes in, saw... Uh, Jericho's group come out in the motorcycle thing, and I'm like, they're fucking bikers now. They're well, bikers. What they tried doing, like the whole setup was, they had their last match of the Stadium Stampede. <laughs> like that was supposed to be the end because they're right. they're right. they had war games. I mean, blood and guts. And then they had this other match, and then pin, or, I mean, Inner Circle wins. Yeah, but they all came out like, um, which I understand they they were coming out. I think it was supposed to be like the Warriors movie. All right, so okay, okay. I was like, okay, okay yeah, we're, we're done. Yeah, but no, we're still carrying it on. Yeah, so now they're they're full on bikers. That's that just doesn't make any like that. You know what I thought of when I saw them? Aces and eight. Yeah, no, that's that was kind of the weird vibe I had. <laughs> I, I think I might tweet that out too. Oh, okay, yeah, I didn't see that yeah, one yeah. in particular, but yeah, I thought no, aces and eight. But it, it has that vibe, and just like this feud won't go away, and I just don't get how we're still doing this after two blow off matches. Let alone we're still having Jericho versus MJF. Still, like, like if you want to talk about rankings matter and matches and all that, sure, MJF should be number one contender yeah. fighting for so the So I was again. just gonna say, like. Don't you think if MJF was as great and, you know, that promo that everybody was hyping up about him cutting on Sammy Guevara, which I thought was just him screaming into the mic, congrats. You know, like, if he's supposed to have such gravitas and be the man, shouldn't he be the fucking world champion? Yeah, they're just they're like, delaying it for whatever. Like, I, I agree with you. I like, just, it makes no sense. So now, okay, Kenny Omega is going to face Adam Page. Let's say, he, let's say Adam beats him. Then MJF makes sense as your challenger, but you're, you're, what are you going to give Adam Page, who you've also dubbed as the next guy, a, a short title run just to flip it on to MJF? No, that doesn't make sense. My fear is what they're going to do is okay. My my fear is not Page winning because that's been long overdue at the sure. Stage. Page is going to win it all out, right? My fear is you're going to drag the feud out between him and MJF until double or nothing. For another eight months. Ugh. Because that... And you have two pay-per-views in between, mind you. Yeah. But that is my fear of what they're going to mm. do. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand, like, the booking and the match... Like, the storyline building. Because this is the problem that I always say. And I, I'm sorry. This, this is the truth, AEW fans. Yeah. 
you don't have that one person to oversee ideas and make sure they're fine-tuned no, like WWE has with Vince. No, there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Facts. Too many. And especially when your EVPs are on the roster. Right. And you got a beta behind the book and the money. Yeah. I said it. This is a problem. And yeah. you need to have somebody come in. Like, I don't care if it's an Eric Bischoff. I don't care if you just promote Jericho or Christopher Daniels and make that their Or position. fucking Excalibur. Like, fuck. But somebody needs to come in and just say, okay, run the ideas by, fine-tune them, and send them back. Yeah. And it can't be we're just going to keep extending feuds out because we have nothing. And just keep moving the same things yeah. over. You know where things went wrong? I, 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 th- I really do think I have it here. Adam Page not winning initially. No. I think, no? No. Okay. Here's why. When they debuted on national TV. Sure. You have to think about this. I, yeah. We are wrestling fans before them debuting to a mainstream audience. Sure. Who are they going to recognize? Chris, Chris Jericho, Jericho or Adam Page? Yeah. They had to go with Jericho. No, and I mean, I get it from that sense, but maybe if they go with Adam Page, they don't set things up the way that it has now. You know what I mean? Like, giving it to Adam Page maybe separates themselves enough where the, you know Jericho could have been pursuing him as the heel, and Adam Page just keeps winning, 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 and then eventually he loses somehow, some way. But the only thing is, I think for them being in their infancy, yeah, they needed, company, they, they need, yeah, they needed. You uh, got to go with the hand that knows. No, I mean I get it, and it makes sense. And the inner circle was yeah. over for a while. Oh, absolutely. But it's just now it's this is what we have now. Yeah, I mean you and listen, Kenny Omega, take a fucking day off. Yeah, I, all we hear is I got sports hernia. I, you know, you're getting stem cells for your knee. Like, dude, give it up. Yeah, like, like not not retire, no, but no, like but give up the belt. Like, you are only causing long term problems. Exactly. Like you 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 hear these stories about how he's working through all this pain, and I yeah. give, and I give him all the credit in the oh, world for top, doing it. Top shelf, man. Good yeah. for you. But like, and the end of the day, I understand this is a storyline. I understand whatever the case is, but you just need to you know fall back for just a sec. Get some time off and heal. Yeah, to, at some to, point, to some degree. At some point, these injuries are going to be too much. Yeah, it happened. Like I'm sorry, the human body can only take so much. And right. all this is true that we're hearing about allegedly. You have to pause back and you have to heal up and you have to come back at when your body is telling you rest and take it easy. Yeah, the fact you keep doing this, I understand you want you understand the situation your company's in, but at the same time. It's a fucking wrestling show. Yeah, you're not doing anybody any service by not being able to yeah. perform. Up to Kenny Omega's true potential. And then between all the brain trust, I'm sure there's an easy way they could get the belt off you and get it to Cody. I don't care what's happened previously in the storylines. If you want to go that route yeah. or however you want to do it. But just the fact that you're pushing your, your body past its limits. And this is just the eye watching the screen here, folks. Sure. Because he, he's doing Impact. He's doing AAA. He's going to be doing like you. Yeah, he's got he's got a, the AAA uh, pay-per-view in like August. what in August. Yeah. yeah. Against Andrade, who yeah. ironically is wrestling on the show now because he's all elite. Yeah. <laughs> so it just would make a lot of sense to sh- to shift gears and kind of do some different things. Maybe All Out will be the reset button, but I think you're going to have the same old shit, unfortunately, when you don't have that head person in charge. And I'm sorry, Tony Khan is not that guy in no, my opinion. he ain't that guy. No. You ain't that guy. No, you need to have somebody in like a Bully Ray. Oh. I'm hoping they let Mark Henry have an influence because I think he could be enough of a strong voice in that locker room yeah. to really fine-tune well, it. Well, I mean, what were these guys brought in? I mean, listen, you brought in Christian Cage. Yeah. And what are you doing with him that was no different in WWE? Exactly. That's the problem. 
they're doing exactly the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, you you have Christopher Daniels in this retirement angle. You you know, you let him leave. You know, and he's backstage. Yeah, if he's let a, him do it, because I believe do it. I believe his title is vice president of talent relations. Then let him do it. Exactly. That's what they need to do. And for whatever reason, and I'm I'm like, listen, we can speculate all night if we want. They need to fix that ship quickly. But now the true test for me is going to be watching that crowd reaction because now Jacksonville is five hours away. Right. So let's see how this Miami crowd reacts to the first time seeing them live and then where we go from here. Well, I mean, it's smart. You know, you're going on the road for the first time. You're going to throw a pay-per-view quality-esque card uh, at them, you know, for the first three nights that you're on the road. But inevitably, you can't keep doing that. No, I mean, that's that's the problem. You're going to burn your talent out. You're going to burn everybody out. I mean, and I don't care what they say. It's like, I because... Obviously, they're supposed to have a different schedule than WWE. But, yeah, but it's the same problem is you have everybody on the same weeks pretty much. I mean, we don't see a Joey Janela wrestling on anything other than AEW Dark. Yeah. We want, if we want to catch him, we go to Game Changer Wrestling, which is fantastic, or you way. Or you let them work the indies, you know, a la Joey Janela, yeah. and then you're, they're still putting their miles on the body. Yeah. You know, regardless of whether they're working the main cards or not, they're still doing indie stuff just to get in matches. Yeah. It's an interesting thing to watch from the outside, but <sighs> we really have to kind of right. see how this plays out. I and can breathe now. Yeah, I, 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 I do. I feel better now because I had really been stewing with this AEW take, uh, and when you brought it up, I was like, oh, we're just going to say it in passing. Like, I'll let it go, but I couldn't. It's been festering and bubbling, no. and the, the poisonous fucking fans of AEW have just eaten at me. You've eaten at me. Just enjoy wrestling. Yeah. You know, like, I want to watch AEW, and I fucking can't because all your negativity towards everything else in the world makes me despise you. It's facts. I'm sorry. You know, I, no, I, 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 I want to like the Young Bucks. You know, like, I want my son to watch the Young Bucks in action because they're fun, and it's, you know, it's a spectacle and everything, and the, the revival's great, and MJF should be a future heel in this business that is super over, and I'm watching it, and I just get angry because I'm sitting here, and I'm looking at Twitter, and I'm like, refresh, 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 and all you see is, oh, you know, the the, the take by Eddie Kingston of... They're not doing that on the other channel. Yeah, I know they're thing. not doing it on the other channel. I don't want them to do that on the other channel. What I want on the other channel is what they're doing. NXT is just fine. Don't worry about them. Yeah. No, yeah, that one, <clears throat> that was a bad take by somebody that usually nails it right in the head. I know. And you know what, though? And that locker room speech post Brody was top shelf. And oh, yeah. I really, and I was not on the Eddie Kingston bandwagon. And after that post speech, I was like, Yo, Eddie's the fucking man. Yeah. And then he did this, and I'm like, maybe I was right in my initial judgment of no, him. No, I think it's just that people are still in this notion that... Yo, Christian Cage, in that ring, at that moment, his reaction to his speech, yeah, priceless. Yo, that's what I said. Priceless. He understands it, but I think there's the audience that you talk about is still allowing Venomous. WWE to live rent-free in their heads. Yeah. And it shows. Yeah. And this is just another prime example. So hopefully now that they're back out on the road, maybe they'll clean some of this up. Listen, I gotta save some energy here. We got Connor on Saturday. I gotta exactly. So that's why I say I gotta come down here. I'm just gonna be wrapping up. I'll be live tweeting during Road Rager, so you'll know my opinions. I won't because I won't be watching. I know you won't, but I'll (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll just be messaging. (laughs) Yeah, because I'll just be like, oh, here we go again. But anyway, that's what's gonna be going on Wednesday night. But that all being said, though, 
The music you heard on this edition of the ODPH Podcast is that of Brian Wolf. Guess what? He's live streaming this week, Pad. hey Yeah, so he's going to be doing some live stream on his Facebook channel. Pad, where do I go to find out about Brian Wolf? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section. You can check out everything going on with Brian, everything going on with uh, Shot of the Robots, Second Suitor, Yard Party, Floodlands. Oh, man, I tell you, there are so many great musicians that allow us to play their stuff. And like Tom Jolu, too, who you heard in the sounder, his album is fantastic. You need to go get that in your system ASAP. You can find out everything going on with them. Support them because they're fantastic people. Also, while you're at the website, you can check out the Classifieds, the newly rebranded, where you can check out friends of the show, such as Dragon Master Games, Excite Wrestling, who is coming back August 7th at the X. Sorry we're open. Tickets are on sale now. You can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter, all the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, and of course our good friends over at eight one two two Productions, Rich Ron, Mike C, and of course hashtag Big Nay Cool. He's still on Twitter. He's going to be in my house. Yes. So if you want all the live diesel you can handle, make sure to follow twitch.tv slash six seven podcast. And Saturday night will be one for the record books guarantee you. But for anything else, you just swing on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash 8122productions. All of that and so much more can be found at odphpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy. Guys, on the real, I w- it was a pleasure to be back. Hopefully our schedule slows down so I can be recurring again. And uh, I look forward to seeing everybody on Saturday. And to everybody, good night and good luck. Great having you back, Coach. For the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. <laughs> I expect no less, brother. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time.